Hi everyone, welcome to Frame Trap. Today, I say this every single episode, but today is probably going to be the most jam-packed Frame Trap we have for you. There's a lot to talk about. There's a new console on the way. There's a new Red Dead on the way. We've been playing a ton of games at the fall season. I don't know about you guys, uh, Huber specifically, this has been the busiest time in Easy Allies history <laughs> yeah. so far for me. It's just yeah. like, game, 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 and I can't complain. Yeah. Uh, a lot of what I've been playing has been excellent, but, yeah. Yes. Oh, a lot of. Yeah. Oh. A lot of. Some of which I can't talk about, some of which I can. Um. We'll get into it. Huber, getting in the Halloween spirit. Jason Voorhees on his chest. I like it. Mm-hmm. Well done. It was either between that or Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, like, I gotta go. Jason Voorhees today. Feeling, feeling slasher today? Yeah, feeling slasher. That's a win-win situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Hannibal, I've been watching Westworld, and uh, yes. I've, I've learned that Anthony Hopkins just could be saying pretty much anything. <laughs> pretty much anything. He'd be taking my order at a drive-thru, and I would just be... Like, by the balls. Oh, but also, so like, kind of nervous. Yeah, kind of nervous. Like, if you took my order yeah. to drive through, I would be uncomfortable. I'm like, you, you're going to kill me, and you don't work here. <laughs> yeah. Before we get into the games, I got a quick question for you. Uh, my girlfriend said that she liked Anthony Hopkins as well, but that he always played the same character. Do you think that's true? Because I think, I think he's shown quite a bit of range <clears throat> over the years. Like, I think he can play a really empathetic good guy as well as a very creepy definitely uh one of my favorite anthony hopkins movies of all time is the edge with alec baldwin has anyone seen this no is alec baldwin on edge the entire movie <laughs> yes <laughs> dude the edge i used to watch this movie with my brother growing up like all the time they get stranded in the wilderness oh and have to God, face yeah. off against a bear this is made for you (laughs) Anthony Hopkins is like master survivalist and Alec Baldwin is like rich like Mm -hmm. never been in the wilderness before dude it's a really good movie but Anthony Hopkins is like pretty pretty jolly in it it's like intense still yeah Always intense. Always, Always intense. intense. Always yeah. intense. Even in his most positive, <laughs> yeah. very intense positivity. Yeah. Uh, but let's let's get started. Damiani, once again, like I know what Huber's been playing. I know what Brad's been playing. I've been playing some of those things with him. I have no idea what is going on with Michael Damiani. So please <laughs> tell me. Uh, I've been playing a lot of World of Final Fantasy. Ooh. Ooh. I hear that has a certain goddess in it. It does. <laughs> I would it say does. the goddess. It does have the goddess. Has multiple goddesses, but but lightning is in fact in it. And uh, in fact, uh, since this goes up on Wednesdays, correct? No, Monday, Mondays. tomorrow. Monday. Okay, what time? Monday. <laughs> Very important. Uh, it'll probably go. I I don't know for sure. Why don't we just go. bump it till the embargo? Is nah, your... the embargo's tomorrow is Monday night. I believe oh, at nine okay. o'clock. Never mind. Never uh, Pacific. Mind. It's when it goes live digitally on on for release. Like midnight uh, Eastern, mm-hmm. yeah. So that'd be an amazing reason. Okay. Yeah, so then, <laughs> I think I think there might be a way around this because a lot of people have done detailed previews on World of Final Fantasy. Can you? Uh, can you? Then there's a demo out, but the thing is, I didn't play the demo because I had the game, um, and I did watch a video of uh, who's it? Kotaku's played through the demo, so I was mm-hmm. curious. It is a early area of the game, but they threw in a lot of stuff that's not there just to show off. Like, they threw a bunch of random Final Fantasy characters in that area just to talk to you. And I was like, that totally doesn't happen in the game. But, hey, it's like, hey, here's Cloud. Hi, here's Lightning. Hi, yeah. here's Squall. Like, we're in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to say hi to you. 
Um, I guess we could talk in like general, like very general stuff about it. Um, it I basically I think, I think we'll be fine. I, I feel like it's a it's a very much a, a Final Fantasy's version of a Pokemon game. That's huh. the best way to describe it because of catching all the different monsters. Um, it's basically like you have a instead of a Pokeball, you have like a a monster cube essentially. Uh, a, a prismar a prismarium is what they call them. Like Square Enix comes up with the dumbest terms. Prismarium? That yeah. Oh it, no. It, it, it's basically, they're Pokeball, mm-hmm. and if you do certain conditions to an, uh, a monster in battle, so it could be as simple as hitting them with an attack. Uh, something as complicated complicated as inflicting a status ailment on them. Um, they then glow with a light, which means you can then try and catch them. And it does the whole animation where like it goes into the ball. It, like when it catches them, it's like a digital like hologram ball thing. And it does like the Pokemon thing where it's like dee dee dee. But then like it might reject them uh-huh. and then it, or it might capture them. You're like, oh, will it capture them or not? And then you, I think there's, there, yeah, that that's pretty much how it works. Um, and then you stack them uh, on your head. Uh, you're, so, let me get this straight. You're in, like the character you're playing as a boy so and a girl. So they're, they're, they're siblings. You okay. play as two siblings, a boy and a girl. Uh, you can control either of them at any time, and they're, and in battles you can control them. But uh, they have two forms in the world. Uh, you can either be their normal looking size, mm-hmm. their Kingdom Hearts looking version, or it can be the Funko Pop version, oh, like the kiddie. small ones. Yeah. Um, what size you are when you begin a random encounter is how the battle like starts. Like what form you in? If you're the Funko Pop version. How it works is there's large class uh, monsters, medium class, and small. And that's how you stack large, medium, small. Uh-huh. So if you're Funko Pop, you're medium size. So you have to go on top of a giant monster. So you could ride on top of a, a behemoth or a red dragon. Then you might stack like a chocobo chick on top of your head. And then when you're the big <laughs> version of yourself, you have to stack two on top of you. So you might have oh, okay. like a, a grown chocobo on top of you. And then, you know, something smaller like a, a mandragore or something on top of your head. And the stacking thing works two ways. You, uh, you each monster has, like, uh, capabilities. Like, let's just say, like, fire or water or, you know, blizzard. If you stack two of the same type on top of each other, it unlocks the more powerful version of the spell. Oh, so you get, like, Fira or Firaga. And that's how you do that. Um, if you mix and match and stuff, you might get different effects, but... Um, I, I, I'll just say this: like it didn't seem like you had to focus too much on that. It's just there if you want it. Um, the other thing is that you're stacked on top of each other. Uh, you have stability, so the more hits you take, you'll see like a, a swing meter that starts as like it'll be normal, then it'll be yellow for caution, and red means you're about to topple over. Mm. So you can unstack to avoid that, and then you can restack, reform your stack in battle. So what happens if you topple over? Do you just take damage. You get stunned. Yeah, okay. you, you don't take any extra damage, but you're stunned. So uh, on the left side, there's a the action bar basically that shows the order. Your character icons move from the south to the north part. Once they hit the north, it's your the uh, icon turn. your turn. So they'll just <clears throat> they'll just freeze, and like the enemy will keep moving, the other character will keep moving, um, and you're more vulnerable when you're you're unstacked. Like you have shared MP or AP. Uh, you have shared uh, health. Uh, so you have a bigger health pool, but when you're spread apart, you have like you're weaker essentially. Gotcha. Are there towns? Yes, there are towns <laughs> based on Final Fantasy locations. Nice. Oh, I I, I think I could say this one part because it's not too far into the game. I did mention to a few people here, um, fans, really hardcore Final Fantasy fans who are stickler for like things being as accurate as possible mm-hmm. might have like uh, a mental breakdown at this part. <laughs> Uh, a, a certain 
you meet a certain character from Final Fantasy VII, uh, they tell you to meet them at their town. And if you know the main characters of Final Fantasy VII, you probably know which town this is that I you're do. thinking of. And when you go down the mountain to go to their town, all you see on the map uh, is this giant industrial-looking city thing that you might know from Final Fantasy VII. And you're like, that's not the town. That's not the name. That, that's called something else. But when you walk up to it to enter it, it has the name of the town instead of the city from Wait, the game. But is it? When you go in, when you is go in it, the... it's loosely based on the town. Okay. But it's still, it's got like, a, it has a well in the middle. But otherwise, it doesn't look it doesn't, very much It looks the like same. another town. Yeah. So. I've never been more offended by anything anyone has said on this podcast. Than, I, I was a this. little like, really? Square Enix, you really couldn't just call it by the city name? Like. I think there's some like licensing thing there. Or no, no, like, no, no, no. They just, yeah, they like, just, what? yeah, they just like <laughs> did a little weird thing. Needs a patch. <laughs> um, there's a question a, I've got. That's go ahead. Uh, I have not been keeping up with this game as much as I'd like to, and I haven't played the demo yet. But in the most, there have been some trailers where they're just they're talking a ton, and I was like, wow, maybe there is more of an intense story here than the aesthetic <laughs> and the style and all that stuff let on. Is that true? Um, let's just say they dump a lot of lore stuff on you in the first probably 30 to 40 minutes. Uh-huh. And it is very overwhelming. It's like, what the what the heck is that? The, just mechanics dump and lore dump. And then it doesn't really come... There's like little nuggets of that, of the, the main story. In, in a nutshell... You don't remember your past. The characters don't remember the past. A character basically tells them to go into this world. It's called Grimoire. Is the name of the world that they that like all the Final Fantasy characters live in and stuff. Basically says, go on this journey. Uh, you'll you need to rediscover your past on your own. I can't just tell you. Like this person knows who they are and everything. He's like, no, nah, you need to go on a quest and you know figure it out on your own. That's like the best way for you to do it. So over the course of the game, certain things trigger memories in the character's game mm-hmm. or, or m- memories in their head to, oh, I think I remember who I am in something. <clears throat> and I think it was until about twenty something hours in that like stuff like the story came back to like focus again. Mm. <laughs> Everything else is is just uh, I don't know. It, uh, I guess I can't say like definitive opinions yet. Um, I need a score right now. No, no, no score. Uh, <laughs> Put them on the spot. Th- your question was about dialogue. I will say this: uh, there is a lot of dialogue in the game, and it's all voice. Everything is voice, pretty much. Even MP- little remote NPCs in towns, mm-hmm. vo- their character dialogue has voices. Uh, there is a little fox-looking character called Tama, who accompanies you through the whole game. Uh, they insert the word the in front of random adjectives, nouns, or verbs. So, like, we're going to go to, you know, we're going to go save. Instead of saying, like, I like the princess, or, dang, I keep saying the. Like, you are a very cool person. They will say, you are a very the cool person. Why? Is it? I don't know. I don't think it's, I think it might be the translation in Japanese. So the game's not out in Japan yet. It's all coming out, like, roughly the same time so i couldn't ask someone like hey or look up on youtube hey does the japanese version have a quirk that just they're trying to make it in localizing it into english right it just isn't working out what they chose to do it's extremely annoying um i, I feel okay saying that at this point that that was n- not good yeah. and i i'm not really digging the uh, the voice work in general like the, the writing mm-hmm. is trying to be humor the the main guy comes off as like a moron. 
Like he's intentionally supposed to be stupid, and he makes he makes like really dumb jokes because he doesn't get stuff. Like he's like an infant basically with his intelligence <laughs> level and how stupid of things and observations he makes, oh, and it's no. infuriating. And, and they, like, they think it's funny. It's like, oh, look how oh funny my he is. I'm like, ah, this is not this is wow. not very funny, but that's okay. Um, it's yeah, it's just. That's not. It's not very appealing to me. That part of it, but there is a ton of it. But guess what, Ben Moore? There's one thing amazing about this game because Scornix must have foresaw that remedial battles and excessive dialogue, and you're just getting tired of some of these pointless cutscenes. Yeah. There is a fast forward button oh, that nice. you can just like speed through battles, mm-hmm. through dialogue, through cutscenes. I mean, you can outright skip cutscenes you want, but if you just like want to read the text and really fast, you just like hold down the fast forward button. <laughs> it's just like. Okay, I got the text. Didn't have to listen to their annoying voices. Uh, didn't have to sit here for an hour of a pointless cutscene. I think every JRPG should move things Too bad along. They don't do that for the random encounters. No, they don't. They're not. They're not. You uh, can't speed them up. Random encounters are not bad at all for most. For majority of what I played, but towards where I was at at the end, holy crap! They're just like. Ten steps, random counter. Ten steps. I was like, "This is what I hate about old JRPGs." Mm-hmm. But the early goings, like you'd have a whole screen, you might get one encounter. I'm like, "That, that's better." I that's wonder like, if that is intentional, though. At that point, I, I thought maybe like the, how it's calculated could possibly be based on your level. Like the, if you're high enough level, uh, it you don't get as many because like the logic is like enemies are scared of you because since you're a tough person, so they're not going to show up. But I think it is just like by design, mm-hmm. they just want to make it more tedious. It's like. Hey, you're going up a giant tower. Let's like give you a ton of enemy battles because you can make this part that would probably be five minutes if you just walk without an encounter be like over an hour long. It reminded me of though when you like when he told me the area, I was like, oh yeah, it reminds me of in the original, like like that, just like boom, boom, boom yeah. all the time. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it's still probably annoying. Uh, yeah. Last question that I've got is, you know. I would say the biggest selling point of this game is you going out and interacting with characters like Lightning and like Cloud, like Bart's, Bart's. fan favorite. Bart's, yeah. Bart's. Bart's. Everyone's favorite. Is Barthandalus in this game? Chibi Barthandalus. But yeah, how, how are those interactions, how are they incorporated into the story? Are they worthwhile? Are they, you know? So the Final Fantasy characters, uh, it's twofold. Um, you encounter them over the course of the story. Uh, they appear in random, random places. They don't. Some of them make sense. Some of them they just are accompanying another character. Uh, they always have very brief screen time, and they're and when they're first introduced, uh, they're usually there just to advance you to the next plot point. Um, they're not very significant at the time. Um, that might that may or may not change later on towards the end. But after you encounter certain, uh, 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 cha- they're called champions in the game. You can go through certain means and unlock them as a basically a summon type attack, and use them in battle. And uh, those are pretty cool looking. I'll say that mm. uh, they 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 play like a remix of a song. It's very flashy. Um, I highly suggest you get the cloud one. Is lightning the flashiest? Uh, no, and it's unfortunate because it's called Gestalt. Her her, uh-huh. her ability, but it doesn't have the Odin thing with her. Uh, yeah, just the roses and stuff in the sword. Like, does it does it play the thirteen battle music? Uh, does she say you dream of death? 
<laughs> no. Yeah, I think she starts on top of like a spire and it's lightning out. Yeah. <laughs> and she comes out and she goes, Do you need me? Yeah. <laughs> and she like lightning gets yes, snapped by lightning. <laughs> That's exactly what I want. Yeah. That's excellent. Hell yeah. So Michael Damiani, besides the world of Final Fantasy, what has been keeping you busy? Uh if anything. Let's see. Should be well. Don had to take a break from it, but I recently finished up all the stuff for the next episode of Game Sleuth. Uh, <laughs> took forever. Don uh, <laughs> is having fun editing that. It's like thirty minutes long. Oh <laughs> my goodness! So it's, God. it's twenty twenty three minutes, I think, actually. Jeez. So wow. Poor Don. Uh, On like, average, how long was a pop fiction episode? Ten to fifteen. That's what minutes. I thought. Okay. Uh, this just had a lot of. Stuff involved with it um, just took a long like just takes a while to tell everything about it that's all yeah uh, that took I'm a hyped of, it'll be good yeah that yeah. took up a lot of time um, playing through Metroid Prime yeah for, I saw you streaming that. that good good stuff uh, had forgotten how much I liked that game uh, when's the last time you played it long time ago sometime at G- back at Viacom GT probably for something mm-hmm. uh, it was probably I think the last time I touched Metro actually was for corruption actually mm. um, you're playing the GameCube version right yes okay. so I'm not getting that benefit of the, the Wii versions like you know 16.9 and if there's any up res yeah. or anything like that mm-hmm. uh, some of the things do look dated but at the same time I can remember when it came out you know this is you know over a decade old game still and this is what it looked like back then it looks really good but just the fact that it feels like a Metro game, especially after replaying the older ones, mm-hmm. like right up to leading to this, it definitely makes it, it really hits home the fact that like Retro nailed that Metroid feeling mm-hmm. that this feels like I'm playing a Metro game, even though it's in 3D, even though it's in third person, uh, first person. I was like, wow, this is uh, this is pretty good. I was like, cool. much much higher appreciation for this game uh, because playing it through in that order. Um, it's it's funny because I was watching you stream Metroid and I had just finished ReCore and people that worked on Metroid Prime <laughs> well, uh, that, made ReCore. That, I'm like, these two are not the same. Well, let's see, that's the thing real quick about that. Like, I've heard that being touted before, not just for ReCore, but one of the Halo games had like some of the... Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, it's going to have Metroid Prime-like stuff. I was like, you don't have the whole team there and you right. don't know the exact people who are there. You can always, like, they do that in movies a lot, where they say, from the some, something from the of something. producers Yeah, of. and it's like, did they really have anything significant to do with, the, like, why the previous movie that was acclaimed was acclaimed? Yeah. It's same thing with games. Like, did they, were they really core instrumental to making X games so great? It depends mm-hmm. on who, it, to, to me, it's all about the directors, so, like, talk. Yeah, like, the people say, like, oh, I want Rare to make another Banjo-Kazooie game. Like, the people who made the Banjo-Kazooie they're great gone, right. are gone making ukulele right now. So mm-hmm. I'm like, sorry, you're not... Rare making a new Banjo-Kazooie is probably not what you're really looking for. So yeah, they did. It was nuts and bolts. And that's not what I was looking what? for. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's such a puzzling thing because, I, you know, specifically in the case of ReCore, when you say, you know, people that worked on Metroid Prime worked on this, you create an expectation that is just almost impossible. Like, you're, yeah. you're not going to make a game that is as good as Metroid Prime. And so, so setting people up for that uh, is not smart. Yeah, definitely. So... Metroid Prime, good stuff. Uh, anything else? Oh, I saw. Haven't played it yet, but I saw Spirit Tracks finally came out on Virtual Console. Oh gosh! So I, got, I got a few messages saying like, "It's time. 
It's time to see if it's really better than Phantom Hourglass. It is. I'm having such a bad time with Phantom Hourglass again. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna start with Brad. I'm gonna say it is better. It than is. Has, it has to be better. It has to be a better way. <laughs> I'm excited to get to the next conversation. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna talk about Zelda. We're gonna talk about all the things. But before we talk about all the things, let's get excited with Michael Huber. I just have one question for the panel. Do we think there will be a character in Final Fantasy 15 that has amnesia? Mm. Who has amnesia? I'm gonna Any say... Any character encountered, even a random NPC in a town. I yeah. feel like we know a lot of the story right now, and... I'm gonna say no. I will okay. say no. Also, I will say yes. Final okay, boss. I'm gonna say will, yes. Final boss will be lightning, and she doesn't remember who she is. <laughs> oh, oh my no. god! But you, uh, you saying random NPC? Yeah. So yeah, it could town, be like any random. Like, yeah. I don't remember how I got like, here. Town X, yeah. like. Who? <laughs> <laughs> I want Prompto to have amnesia, and to just have no idea what's going on, but just to be super excited and taking pictures all the time and like trying to figure it out. That's. That's the story that I want. He's like Tidus reincarnated or something like that? Yep. Oh my god. And he gets married to Lightning and they have a glorious celebration then at the end. Cloud is born. And <laughs> time collapses on itself. We should, like, Square Enix, if you want to hire us, please. Please come on down. Right. Hey, what have you, you've been so busy, man. You've been doing yeah, so much. The only things I've really played are for review. So, Mafia 3 okay. is one of the big ones. You say that with a heavy heart. Yeah. <laughs> this game saddens me. It makes me real sad thinking about it. Um, everything, like, the, some parts of this game are so strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically the story, specifically the music, specifically the world. They're all so, so good and, like, they just get ruined by, I think, what a lot of developers do, and that's check off the boxes. Mm-hmm. Quantity over quality um, is just something I've noticed in the industry. And for the majority of this game, the whole point of Mafia 3 is to take down like the main mob boss. And to do that, you have to take down his three capos and then the like six lieutenants. So you're working up the pyramid to like okay. dismantle the operation one by one. To do to kill each one of these people, you have to like disrupt their district. Disrupting the districts for the entire game. This is like a 25 hour game. This game just drags on and on and on for like 20 hours. It's go to this point, smash some boxes, go to this point. Light some boxes on fire, go to this point, steal some boxes. So you are just repeating the same thing over so wait, and over. Let me get this straight. There's no missions where you just go and kill one of these dudes. The you have main, to do like a when you up, finally lure them out. But you have to do a lure out so every time. Every oh time. My gosh. And it's like, that'd be cool if it was like. If you're doing different things. There's like, maybe. There's like one guy who never leaves his building. He's left, like, once in the last year. So for that, it makes sense. It's yeah. like, cool, if this was a one-time thing where it's like, yo, this guy is always fortified. He's got a lot of, like, backup. He's got an army. He never comes out. Like, lure him out. But, like, 
You're telling me every single lieutenant and capo and the mob boss are just in hiding and you have to lure them <laughs> out? Like, come on. And, like, sure, I mean, you can you can say the argument of, like, well, in a lot of games you're kind of doing the same thing throughout. You mm-hmm. know, Call of Duty, mm-hmm. you're, just, you yeah. know, you're shooting the same guy over and over and over again. Um, but the act of doing the repetitive quest, the act of smashing the boxes... And shooting the enemies is not fun, mainly because the AI is so stupid. That was like the biggest flaw of the game for me. Um, the biggest, like, we are talking, crouching behind someone, dude is in the corner staring right at me, doesn't care, stab, stab his friend in the neck. He then looks over at me and is like, huh? Like that bad. <laughs> So there's no sense of urgency. There's no stakes. It is mindless. Like, you never have to pay attention. Uh, which is sad because, like, it's there. It's so close. Like, when these shootouts go down, like, comparing the shooting to GTA Five is, like, night and day. Like, this shooting could be so good. Like, because the Grand Theft Auto shooting is, like, not right. the best, you know? Uh... The shooting in this can be so good, and, like, when things start getting crazy, you know, people start rushing with shotguns, this sick blues music starts picking up, like, the music is so good, things start getting so hectic and crazy, but it's just so bad, because the AI is just so dumb. Even on, like, the... I put, I put it on, like, max difficulty, even. Mm-hmm. Still does it. And still, yeah. <laughs> so... Yikes. You know when you when you describe the story um, and and it being good and it being the strongest aspect of the game, I think when you kind of just talk about it briefly, it, it sounds like a normal you know revenge story yeah. where where you're trying to get control, you're trying to rule the city. Uh, it sounds pretty typical, but the the level, the quality of the writing and the way that they set it up yeah. is so good. I mean, by the time you're actually out on your hunt, mm-hmm. you feel totally justified in doing it. Yes. They they make you hate the people you're going against. Yes. Really effective way and so to see them like the beginning that first hour of that game I think is really really strong yeah and then just slowly as they reveal more systems it's and just, more mechanics it just plummets it's too long yeah there's just too much repetition and you know we live in such a hypersensitive time and like a, a analytical time of everything getting like picked apart yeah in absolutely. a time when like characters in video games are highly criticized for killing lots of people mm-hmm. you know this main character Lincoln Clay Killing people, like non, just killing so many people, they still manage to make him sympathetic, empathetic. So right. good writing, such good writing, such good voice acting, such good performances. Like his best friend uh, Donovan, like his old CIA Vietnam War veteran Donovan, is like the one doing all the research. Like he is amazing. It's and like I don't think those good. things would hit as hard if they didn't so aggressively pursue like what it was like in this time you know they yeah. lean into the racism they lean totally. into just this 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 brutality yeah um it's really uncomfortable like a is. lot of times i would walk into a store and people would all look at you and say racist things and i'm just like Ugh. but to me at least it didn't see it, it was it was a level of shock that didn't feel empty. You yeah. know, it, it, there always seemed to be a purpose behind mm-hmm. it. Did you get that sense too? Totally. Okay. And it's cool too because you can like <laughs> when you do it, like people can run and call the cops. Mm-hmm. So you have to like chase them down. So you can like push them down and stuff. It's really funny. Push them like, down. <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. I would go into a store 
and everyone would call me bad names and then you like click on the on like the owner who's like get the hell out of here and you just like punch him in the face and he drops and like other people are like yelling at you and you just like slam him to the ground awesome. it was like pretty satisfying <laughs> there's yeah there's and again like the main missions are so fun it's like wow if you made your game one third shorter yeah you know and trim made, the fat yeah trim the fat make your yeah. ai super good and it's really buggy, right? A great game. A lot of bugs. Oh, watch the review. Watch the review, and you'll see some incredible bugs <laughs> Do you captured think, in all of their glory. Just because it's <laughs> it's the series is so personal to you, and you've had such a history with it, that this is probably your biggest disappointment of 2016. Easily, my okay. biggest disappointment. Uh, I was. It's so ironic too. I was so nervous before the game came out when they first showed the driving and the police chases and how hectic and chaotic it was. Mm. And then when I finally got the game, I was like, whoa, okay, driving is actually, you know, like previous games. Sure, we're farther in the future, so the cars are faster, but, like, cars handle slow. They're not super fast. Like, you can even put on simulation driving to uh, make it even more realistic. It's not as hectic as those trailers showed, but then other things took me more out of the game. Gotcha. uh, And the veto shows up from 2. Obviously, not a spoiler. He's one of the main... Uh, sidekicks and like his reasoning for being there is not forced it's so natural and it's so nice like nice. that was another really cool thing and uh, there's like one or two more super small easter eggs for uh, fans of the previous games that are amazing but uh, it just wasn't enough to to make the whole game great is there anything you talked about like the disruption stuff kind of getting like remedial mm-hmm. because it's so boring do they ever have any missions that come to the level of involvement say like when you're talking about it i was thinking I, I hate to say this i was thinking of boardwalk empire yeah with necky thompson the the disrupting the supply route yeah when uh, what's his face takes over the gas station the only yes. gas station mm. is there anything like that like a big mission where like someone's holding a point and like it's not just go burn the boxes you gotta like no. scout you gotta nothing you like that. when oh. you take over a district you attack their headquarters okay so it's like a raid mission also like stealing boxes like when you have to steal things there's no fast travel in this game which i'm obsessed with except the game is so spread out and stretched along that it's brutal like i love when a game has the balls to not give you fast travel because it makes you appreciate their world even more it puts you in it uh but having to drive all the way down somewhere take a box all the way back Doing that 15 times is just, it wears yeah, out. Yeah, that's grueling. Yeah, it was grueling. It's a grind. God. So, yeah. Have you been playing anything that has made you a little bit more fulfilled? Yes. A little game called Battlefield 1. <laughs> yes. I'm so excited to talk oh. about this. Last night, the Dodgers were eliminated from the postseason yeah. playoffs. Uh, kudos to the Cubs. You know, better team won. Pulling for the Cubs. Hope they take it all. 100, over 100 years. Can't even imagine what that's like. Uh, that read like a prepared statement. Yeah, no, he was reading. <laughs> he was reading. He proposed game. No, for, like, if I'm... We're very happy for the Cubs. If I, had no, if I was 90 years old and the Dodgers still haven't won a World Series, like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. when it's showing ninety-year-old men in the and and fans in the crowd like weeping, 
I'm just like, whoa, okay. Like, there was always a little part of me that would have felt bad if we had knocked him out. Anyway, when when that lost, I was feeling down. So I hopped into a Battlefield 1 last <laughs> night. Uh, oh my god. Last night was very fun. It's so good. It's so good. Like, so... Like, Brandon Jones was talking about... Brandon Jones reviewed Gears of War 4. Mm-hmm. And his biggest complaint was, is that this franchise is great, but Gears of War 4 didn't do anything to, like, really propel it to where it should be and where it can go forward, you know? Yeah. And I feel like Battlefield 1 has done just that. Like, it retains everything Battlefield, and the core fundamentals are still there. You have your classes, you have your vehicles, you have your big 64-player conquest... But the setting and the weapons and the pace have all been changed just enough to make it feel like a brand new game, uh, and that's that that's crazy for for a franchise to be able to do that a decade later. So without alienating like core fans too, and bringing new fans in, it's like such this this perfect balance. Like I see yeah. so many people that have never played Battlefield coming in, uh, and it's just refreshing. Uh. Fans of first-person shooters, especially ones that have been going on, I think every single time a new one comes out, regardless of how good or not it is, there's always that segment of the audience that's like, well, this isn't the same, or they changed yeah. this, or X, yeah. Y, and Z. <laughs> that was a, I love that impression. Yeah. <laughs> well, this isn't the same. <laughs> I prestiged five times, and let me tell you, this isn't as good. Yeah, that crowd, you know, wonderful people. Uh... I There's a universal kind of praise that I'm seeing for Battlefield 1. Yeah. Like, new, old... That everybody loves it, and for those who aren't quite as in the know or haven't played it or just aren't as up into shooters as as we are or others are, what is it about Battlefield 1 that separates it from, like, a Battlefield 4 or a hardline? Clearly World War I, um, but for me the main thing is flow of battle. Yes. Yes. The flow of battle has been significantly changed. Uh, in part, thanks to melee weapons and gas. Like gas these... Or mustard gas? And mustard gas. Yeah, these, yeah. Just these two things uh, have caused so much chaos on the battlefield and disrupted everything so much. Like, going to, <laughs> for, to points, like... And throwing gas at a point just disrupts everything. And it makes yes. it so much different than, like... Sure, older battlefields had, like, smoke and, like, gas, but it just wasn't the same. Like, the gas in this is so thick, you can't see, you have to charge in mm-hmm. there. And a lot of the points, because uh, because of the map design, take, take advantage of that. Like, a point will be in a trench, or a point will be on a bridge in the middle of, like, the forest... So there's just a lot more close quarter combat. Um, I'd say there's a nice balance of that, though. Of course, there's a nice balance, and it all depends on the map. Uh, the real the thing I drove home on the review, I, I saw you know I was reading a couple other reviews, and the maps are divisive, which shocked the living daylights out of me. I some some people were saying, yo, the maps are low point, but Battlefield One is still great. And I'm over here thinking, yo. Hmm. These are the most diverse maps ever to launch yes. in a Battlefield game. I feel like that's Not only got. aesthetically, 
But the way they make you play the objective, like, some maps, like, uh, like the forest is just absolute chaos. It's all running and gunning. It's like, yo, Call of Duty players, hop in the forest, you'll have a blast. Whereas the fortress that we keep getting, like, for whatever reason, the foul oh, the, fortress. the desert one? The one you hate. Yeah, the Lawrence Arabia one. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't I'm love that map either. I'm not a fan of that one. It's, it's like a weird map to play. There's yeah. all these snipers everywhere. And then the city map that is like straight up yeah. finale of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, that's a great map. People are in buildings upstairs, downstairs, across the way. There's back alleys. Like uh, then the the the, the Alps, Swiss that, Alps. That's my favorite level. You're like charging uphill. Uh, the scar, the San Quentin scar has the the trenches, so it's a lot of trench warfare. Mm-hmm. Every map is just so different. You. Going back to that flow of battle, something that was really key for me, and actually took me a while to adjust to, is in other Battlefield games, like going back to Battlefield 4 and 3 and even before that, a lot of times playing Conquest on PC on these huge maps, Mm -hmm. there would be a lot of downtime. And it wasn't necessarily bad, like just getting to the objective, finding enemies, there would be long periods Mm -hmm. of time where that didn't happen. The way that the maps are structured in Battlefield 1, no matter where you are, no matter what you do, something always feels like it's happening. Like regardless of where you spawn, you have something to worry about in a really cool way. There's just this sort of constant level of intensity that's yeah. always playing. And then it spikes in a really crazy way and you start freaking out. And initially that took me a long time to get used to. Mm-hmm. And almost in a negative way where I was like, spawn, die, spawn, die, there's snipers <laughs> yeah. everywhere. I can't tell where I'm being <laughs> shot from. It, it was just uh, a level of chaos that it took me hours to yeah. kind of wrap my head around but once yeah. I did I actually think the maps are are well designed enough and you can you can start to strategize and find a way of navigating through that chaos and mm-hmm. still perform well Absolutely. I feel like some of the maps had like locations specifically like the the ballroom area that we yes. were like upset. the ballroom blitz area the ballroom blitz <laughs> like <laughs> literally <laughs> the ballroom there is literally like Things that every single class could do in that one tiny area that like yeah. they sound like the the sniper people were on like the little perches outside or whatever, yeah. and we were like in the trenches with the gas yeah. on, like shotguns blazing, dude. <laughs> yeah, Ben's over there resin people yeah. and everything like that. Yeah. Oh my god, dude. Metal Gear comes or was it Metal Gear Dark Knight? I forget. Someone came in on a horse like yep. through the building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you get some maniac walking down the hallway with like a flamethrower, flame just like door. roasting everyone. Yeah. Oh my god, it was beautiful. I, mm-hmm. I know this has been done well in other Battlefield games, also, but it's just it's been a while since I've, I've dug so deeply into a Battlefield game that the the way the classes feel and every single time I switched a class or I I, I messed with a new weapon, I always felt like my role mattered and that I never regretted picking something. And I feel like a huge part of that is like, if you're a medic or if you're a support and you're doing the right things, you don't even have to be killing people. Like you can get so many points and you can get up there on the scoreboard. And I just, I think that's so important and they do an excellent job of it. Yeah. It's amazing. Just want to play right now. I just, how good it looks and how good it runs. Like I've been playing on PC and console and holy cow. Yeah. A sight to behold. Yeah, game is beautiful. Especially uh, coming off Battlefield 4's like launch problems too, like over a month of just Yeah. Oh my god. So smooth. Yeah. 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 Like, bad. Yeah. Launch day, I think it was down there was that DDoS attack. I don't know how much that contributed, but launch day you was can't down. Fault for, like, for that, though. Yeah. It was down for like an we hour. Ran into a few glitches yeah. here and there, but, but nothing like too too bad, I would say. Yeah, yeah. other than that, it's except uh, navigating origin, which we just hate. Yeah. Question for you. So they've been 
what with Battlefield One, like they've been doing in a lot of EA games, is you could do. Uh, Origin, if you have Origin access or EA access on Xbox, mm-hmm. uh, you could get 10 hours mm-hmm. pretty early, and then they had the early enlister edition. So you had this kind of slow trickle of people coming in, yeah. uh, the hardcore Battlefield fans, and then everybody got it last Friday. Do you think that helped with the server things, and are, are you cool with that? Yeah, and actually there is something I want to say. On Frame Trap, we got, or uh, Frame Trap, this is Frame Trap, on uh, Bossman's podcast, um... We were talking about early access and paying more to access a game early, and I was, like, pretty upset because I was like, yo, Battlefield, they get an extra edge, they get to learn the maps, they get better weapons. Um, I'm going to take that back. I'm going to say that I was wrong because the weapons in this, it's a matter of preference. Yes, you know? totally. There's no real OP meta weapon. Uh, when you level up your class maybe once, which takes only a couple rounds, yeah. you can unlock maybe a slightly better gun than the original one you start with. Uh, but other than that, it is completely a matter of preference uh, for your gun, which is refreshing. You know, yeah. well, There's way less weapons yeah, to make why. it way more balanced, like StarCraft II style, three races, get that perfect balance. We don't need a hundred weapons. Absolutely. So. I always get really upset when... People see a, a, a number of weapons that isn't as crazy as like if Call of Duty. And I'm like, what? I'm, I'm gonna get bored a lot. No, and no. it's like if you have to sacrifice that stuff to make yeah. a more interesting game. Less yeah, is more. Totally, totally. That tear gas. Oh. <laughs> Just that chaos of when you're putting yes. on your mask and you're like, I can't see anything. I'm on this second. point. I love that you yeah. can't aim down your sights. Can't aim down yeah. the sights. Yeah, love yeah that. it's a very smart decision, dude. Whenever the enemy is going heavy tear gas, I bring out the shotgun because it has good hip fire. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm going in there. Yeah. <laughs> so Did you guys hear about the new, like, Easter egg that they found? Oh, my God. Okay, you know how every battlefield has like, an Easter egg? Yes, yeah, the shark. In this one, there's, like, headphones laying around on the map, apparently, and people don't know what they do yet. What? So the hunt has just begun. Internet, yes. save me. What is it? The yeah, internet what will is, crack it. What is it? Da Vinci Code internet. <laughs> uh... Something I want to talk about real quick, the last point I want to bring up on Battlefield 1 is these mega vehicles that you can bring in. The Zeppelin. The behemoths. Dude, the yes. train. The behemoths. Yeah. Uh, I, I have my own feelings on them, but I want to get, okay. I want to get Huber's take. Um, How do you think they affect the flow of the match? I absolutely adore them. Uh... From what I've seen so far, they give the losing team mm-hmm. usually uh especially in operations when the operation uh, the new game mode operation you're attacking when the attack fails you'll get reinforcements with the reinforcements comes a behemoth um and i love that because it's natural it feels good it's like yo reinforcements now like let's get a final push um and i love that it's a separate battle going on you know it reminds right. me of like star wars you know, Star Wars does it best when there's, like, seven battles going on at once. It reminds me of that, because, like, we're down here, busting into the ballroom. Yeah, you're here on Endor yeah, right now. We're here on Endor going in there. They're up attacking the freaking Death Star. Yeah. Like, planes going in. So, I love it. And it is, it's, like, Levolution times ten, because when the freaking... Zeppelin crashes anywhere on the map at any time and destroys everything in its path on the ground every time, no matter where I am. If I'm behind enemy lines, I'm just like staring at it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's 
whenever they put something like that, such a dramatic catch-up mechanic into a game, whether it's a shooter or a fighting game or whatever it is, I always get really worried because they tend to not work out very well. They tend to be yeah. annoying. Yeah. But in Battlefield 1, it just felt like a moment. Like, I would be taking points with my friends, and then somebody would say, Oh my god, this is something about this! <laughs> and it was exciting and, it, and intense, but it never felt cheap. Like, no. I never felt like if we were losing, we were losing because of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's still the early days. I, I, I could change my opinion in a week or a month or whatever, but but right now, it, it just seems to go into, again, that flow of the match we were talking about, just perfectly like there's yeah. this little groove and it slides right in a big thing too was the gun emplacements on the map have mm-hmm. been mm-hmm. they're so much more important than they've ever been in a battlefield game uh not I only agree. like artillery yeah. and machine guns on the ground because those weapons are so powerful compared to what you are equipped with like a, a heavy mounted machine gun most people down with the behemoths especially the zeppelin the anti-air emplacement is so strong and so viable to take that down and the fact that you can pick off certain pieces of it to reduce its armaments like you can pick off a piece it loses a gun um yeah it's good because then like when i'm up in it i'm looking down for those anti-air emplacements trying to focus on them so again it's just this there's so many games within games in in a match of battlefield it's never the same i Maybe Overwatch, I guess, but I feel like with a lot of shooters in the last three years, I've never been very confident that I'm going to stick with them. Mm-hmm. I, f- I honestly feel like I'm going to be playing Battlefield 1 until the next one comes oh, out. That's yeah. that's how good it is. Yep. And it's, it's so exciting to say. It's exhilarating. <laughs> it is. Okay. You got anything else you want to hit that's me it. with? That's it. Fast and loose. That's All right. Nice. <laughs> Brad? Uh, I don't have any new games that no one else has been playing. That's fine. I've been playing Battlefield, of course, with all you guys. Yeah. My little Overwatch on the side for that Halloween event. How is that? Tell me about it. I haven't been keeping up. Okay, so the Halloween event, there's, of course, there's new skins and everything like that. There is a new brawl mode where it's essentially like... Uh, like a horde, like a, a horde of enemies coming at you, and you like have to stop like a tower defense kind of thing like that. I love tower defense. And you can only play as like you can only play as McCree seventy six. Anna and no, not Mercy. Uh, who was it? Another damaged character, Hanzo, I think. But there's bosses in it. There's like boss waves. Wait, so do you have to defend a point? Yes, and they're coming out. Like think of think of T- TF2 man versus machine kind Kay. of, but like yeah, yeah. scaled down quite a bit. Okay. So like yeah, what? This is awesome. Yeah, it's Just, really cool. Yeah. Oh, on piggyback on that, they have like some of the maps. Like Hollywood is like Halloween themed now. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's darker out. There's, like, Halloween decorations everywhere. All the maps are No, there? no, 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 no. Not all of them. How many? Just, like, just this one, pretty okay, much. Okay, okay. Just Hollywood, but okay, yeah. Okay, okay. So, you're <laughs> defending against these waves. There's, like, a... Reinhardt is narrating the entire battle as you're going through. He's, like, telling the story of Dr. Uh, uh, like, Junkenstein's... Junkrat is yeah. Frankenstein. He made his Frankenstein monster, which, of course, is Roadhog. Yeah. So, you're going through the battle, and there's phases, like, a boss will come in. Like, Reaper's, like, the first boss, and... Uh, Reinhardt will like narrate like some really epic dialogue talking yeah. about right, uh, Reaper coming in and like fighting all you guys, and it's really cool using like trying to use your abilities in, like a PVE kind of manner. Like yeah. when I did it, someone would um, like be on and sleep dart Reaper, then I would high noon it and just like take him down in one shot. But it takes yeah. a little bit. Like using like strategies that, like in a kind of like a different way, I suppose. Yeah, it's just it's just like a fun little distraction. I would say yeah. it's not like 
game changing. Like, holy shit. Yeah, it's just yeah. like a fun little thing like that. Cool. And it's cool because there's like leaderboards for it and you could see everything like that. But besides like the new skins, yeah. Mm -hmm. There's like uh, Halloween skins you can get now, like the Olympics ones. There's Halloween boxes, I should say. Mm -hmm. The Olympics, but now you could buy the skins. Like uh, for the Olympics one, you could not. Right. You had to get in the box no matter what. But you can buy them now, but they're just like three times the price. Sure. Everything like that, which I is think, cool. I think that's fair. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I just wish there was something for completing the brawl. Like if you could earn, if you could, a progression for the brawl itself. Sure. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I love that it is. That's, it's fine that it is, like, this distraction, you know, mm -hmm. super fun, PvE, mm -hmm. cool. Uh, but I wish there was something, maybe if, if you could earn the Halloween loot boxes for completing it, like, something, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you get them for leveling up, though. Yeah. Which isn't that bad. Or it doesn't take that long. Yeah. But I see what you're saying, like, you want a, a more specific reward for doing a specific thing. Yeah, or if there were, like, difficulties for it, too. There like is. Heroic there is or, or if there, there were difficulties. specific challenges unique to that brawl that you yeah. had to complete, and, mm -hmm. like, if you, if you did a really easy one, you got an appropriate loot, but if you did something yeah. really, really hard that, you know, only a small percentage of players could do, you got yeah. something But more there is stuff like that in the game, like, for a ranking sure. system, you can right. get, like, specific, like... That's true. Uh, like, uh, avatar thing, kind of thing like that, to set you apart, you know, you can get... Gold guns, which I absolutely hate. Gold guns, always. Can Here we, we not, go. like, Here we go. you know, really though? What was the first game with gold guns? Was it Call of Duty? Like gold well, weapons? It was games? that or like Gears of War. I'm not. I'm not like, I don't know. Goldeneye doesn't count. Okay, because that's an actual golden, golden gun. But well, do they have skins for all of them though? Too, you can make them all gold. I can't remember. Dude, golden like. It's not cool. I mean, it's not cool. I feel anymore. like you Developers. could do so much better. Is it ever cool? No. no. No, it's never been cool. Ever. It's not cool. <laughs> I feel like I'm hoping it's just like a first thing. Like, okay, let's just put something out right now. Yeah. Just to get it across. I'm hoping there'll be something more substantial, better looking, yeah. like more creativity. I guess. Like, I don't want a fucking gold skin. God. <laughs> I. I think it would be cool because Overwatch is a Blizzard game. If instead of. Gold fucking guns. You're better than that, Blizzard. You you had like this sick Diablo gun. Yeah. Or or yeah. Warcraft gun or Starcraft Rainer's gun. Rainer's rifle yeah. or something. Like make it feel 76 has Rainer's rifle. Or Ryan awesome. Ryan yeah. Doom Hammer. Right. Like it's, come it on. just seems really obvious yeah. and something I, a lot of people. I think it's more, more stuff elegant. like that will come eventually. Yeah. 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 But it's like our first step. I'm just like, I get it. Like, eh, you could do so much better, Blizzard. You're better than this. <laughs> yeah. Cool. You know you guns. are. Um, if you like golden guns, if you have an argument for golden guns, I want to hear it. Yeah, me too. Right I want in. somebody to defend golden guns because yeah. I've never I'm, heard a defense for I'm really curious. You know what? <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really care. Uh, uh, I've been playing Origami on the side still. Yeah. The way I talked about last time. Uh, I just finished Dark Souls 3 yesterday. Mm. I played Wait, the entire thing mm. recently because I bought for PC now. Because okay. I played on PS4 originally, got the Platinum, blah, 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 did all that. Now the DLC is coming out, and I was like, okay, this is the time. Bought it on PC. Ooh, man, on PC, it's very nice. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Few games... Few games ever in my life will come out that make me stop everything. I could be... Buried in deadlines for Easy Allies. <laughs> it could be my parents' anniversary, you know. My brother's having kids. Dark Souls 3 DLC comes out. Yeah. Locking my doors. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. <laughs> so pumped. 
<laughs> this comes out Monday? Dark Tuesday. Uh, okay, night. No, me, Monday me night, this. 9 p.m. Let me clarify this. It got released early on Xbox. Someone on Xbox blew it. And released it's it already early. out? Yes, they're, they're, Xbox One, it is out. There are reviews people out. Are tons of people are streaming it. it. Yeah. yeah, it's out, dude. Duck yeah. cover. See, I've been so buried under a rock. Yeah, keep, I, keep stay, under under rock. stay under that rock. Didn't yeah. even know that. Stay under that rock, my friend. Okay. Uh, I just want to say about the DLC... I'm not going to spoil anything, I'm not going to detail anything, Don't look but me. that second boss fight is a sight to behold. Top tier. Excellent. Yeah. It probably worth the price of admission just for Heck that yeah. fight. Excellent. Uh, so I've been playing through it again recently, I just beat every boss and everything. Yeah. And I had a new appreciation for weapon arts this yeah. time around. I felt myself using them way more this entire run through. Like I was... This run through, I like. I would switch off between two weapons a lot. Like I used the Stora's greatsword, quality build by the way this time. Just switch it up. Then the Lotha greatsword, and I'd use the Stora's greatsword just because it has like a a ramming thing for its uh, right. weapon art. It's a charge, dude. It's a charge nice. with the greatsword. It's incredible. Nice. Then like if I was fighting like a huge guy with like a like a cathedral knight, huge shield, I bust with the Lotha greatsword. Because the R2 or the weapon arm, that is like a huge upswing. Like, yeah. breaks their guard, dude. So then you can go up to them and, like, visceral attack them, right? Who was the dude down in the uh, the ruins? It was, like, an optional fight. He had a huge, great shield. Night Slayer Sorg or something like that. Dude, that guy was Wait, so what? hard. Yeah, he, he, would, inv- he like- would invade you at a few parts. Then you would find him in, uh, spoilers, I guess, Lost Isolith. Oh. He's down there. Night Slayer Sorg, I think dude, his name is. Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. He had a sick weapon. Mm-hmm. He has Targus's armor from yeah. uh, Dark Souls 1. Nice, nice. Awesome guy. I'm so glad you found that new appreciation for weapon arts, because I feel like I, a lot of people dismissed it because it wasn't I as... liked them, but I didn't use them as much as I right. should have. This right. time I used them a lot. Like, I had, uh, like, the Ash Nexus flask. Like, I actually used one the whole time. Yeah. To refill my mana, which I never did before. Mm-hmm. I'm bummed because I used the weapon arts the entire game, but it never felt like I was using a weapon art because I had the axe. Oh, so, so it was you're like the spin to win thing. No, no, no. So it was like berserk mode. The, oh, I, I actually, that one. I actually like that weapon. Art. Uh, no, no, yeah. I, I like the weapon art. Yeah, but it didn't, it didn't feel like, feel a, like a weapon art because it's right. like a normal like. Usually in games, give me an axe. I got some like berserk right. move. It didn't feel like a special move, you know. Yeah, I totally the, uh, <laughs> Black Knight. I totally uh, understand that, but I, I think that's what I like about weapon arts the most is how subtle they are and how yeah. long it takes to figure out mm-hmm. when and where they're useful. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I it's like kind of Brad is saying. I don't think it's something that you really get to enjoy on a first playthrough, but as you understand the fights a little bit better, as you kind of give yourself a little bit more room to maneuver, they become more useful, and I think mm-hmm. that's awesome. Like, it feels like every game that comes out these days, and I'm generalizing here, but I think it's true, has to have like this is why you need to pay attention to this. Here's this big ridiculous thing, um, and I there's nothing super flashy in Dark Souls Three mm-hmm. in its combat system. Um, but I, I like those. I, I mean, some weapon arts I feel like are pretty flashy, like the Faram Greatsword, for example, or the, that they use. They use like the spin attacks oh, and like yeah. that. But it, it's never like too ridiculous. Right. So I'm like, okay, this is Devil May Cry now. Right, exactly. Like exactly. And even if you do stuff like that, it's like a huge like risk to do yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Dark Souls 3. Whew. Still great. Still amazing. I, I feel like. Maybe it's because of Bloodborne before, which was kind of a, a left turn. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And because this is the third Dark Souls game, there mm-hmm. just hasn't been the same level of appreciation for Dark Souls Three. And I, I just, I think I like it more than a lot of people. Like I Me think too. it is. It's my, it's second my favorite Souls game. Yeah. It's my favorite Souls game. Yeah, I love it. I think I, like some of the like I love Lothric. Like yeah. all of Lothric, like going through the ramparts and going through the castle. I love all that. It's so good. Yeah. Like nothing will beat the impact. I mean, yeah, Dark the first Souls impact is like yeah, like can, insane. Insane. Right. Dark Souls 1, like a, a trip like no other, but I think Dark Souls 3 is Dark Souls refined. Mm-hmm. Um, and, man, there's just some really cool twists and subtle nods to Dark Souls 1, like like looking back, you yeah. know? Oh my, I don't want to spoil Scope. that moment. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> dude, especially with DLC coming that. out, man, because, dude, uh, Dark Souls 1 DLC, or Tourist of the Abyss, is incredible. Yeah, DLC. I oh think that and God. Undead Nightmare are probably like oh top God. two for me. Dude, this is so good. I cannot. What about Old see. Hunters? I like Old Hunters. More. I like Old Hunt. I, I like Old Hunters, but I think I actually like Artorias the best. Okay. Yeah. Um, I in my mind, Dark Souls Three is Dark Souls Two. Like Dark Souls yeah. Two is like this. Dark Souls Two is like a weird step, kind yeah. of like good, just yeah. weird step. Three kind of feels like this. Is, feels like the proper sequel, I guess. Well, I I think if. It just you can connect Dark Souls three and Dark Souls one. So I think much it, easier. It, it feels like a direct yeah, sequel. It does. In a weird it does. Way. So awesome, Brad. You got anything else you want to hit us with? I, by the way, before we move on, I gotta just everything that's going on right now. I'm into it. This shirt is amazing. I don't know if I've seen you wear it before. You oh, got a sure. Bloodborne pin. I got the Kojima one right yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Oh man, too cool, man. Too cool. Sorry, did you? You have anything else? I was distracted by your. Uh, I am doing other work. Can't okay. talk about though. Yeah. Just so people don't think I'm not doing anything. Big stuff's, stuff's cooking. Yeah, good stuff is cooking. Um, I am so excited that I get to say some things about this game. I know, I know you guys aren't that big into it. I played last night, and I need your help. I okay. know exactly what you're going to talk about. Let's. <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. I need help. Let's talk about Civilization Six. Yes. Oh. Let's talk about God. Civilization Six. I need VI. help, Ben. I did the tutorial. I still didn't know what the hell was going on. Like, all right, hold I, on. The 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 HUD, dude. I don't know where to like read my information, man. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> how many resources? How many resources do I have? I see like plus two point three. Yeah. But then when I build something, it costs forty. How? All right, so let's let's do a very brief before I say how I feel about Civ Six. Let's do a very brief tutorial on Civ Six. So, so I I actually pretty much started this series with Civ Five, and I think I felt exactly what you felt, where it was like I need to make this thing, but and I'm getting production, but how is that measured out? And it, it now that I know it, it seems so obvious, but at the time it was very confusing. And the frustrating thing about Civ Six is I think there are things that should just be turned on immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you need to turn on your yield. You need to see what every tile gives you at any given moment, and that's so important. And I think what you maybe don't understand yeah. is when you when you settle a city, right? Yeah. You control a certain amount of hexes with that city. Mm-hmm. You can gain the benefits of those tiles so like if a tile has three food and one production on it yeah you can gain benefits from that tile without using a builder to improve it but 
the population of your city determines the amount of tiles that you can work. Okay. Um, he forgot already. No, yeah. No, he's saying it sounds, no, no, it sounds no, so confusing. No, that makes sense. So, I did the tutorial twice. Oh right. my god. Yeah. <laughs> right. So let's say let's say when you start your city, you have one population. Yeah. That means you have one citizen essentially. Okay. Let's say you control six tiles. You can choose one of the, you have to on the bottom right. There's like a head of a man. Yeah. Click that. You can choose which tile that citizen is working. The game will do it for you automatically, but you want to get in there. Let's say you want to grow faster so you can get more people to work more tiles, or you want more production. You can control where those people go. Mm -hmm. Does that make some amount of sense? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, j just tell us your thoughts, and then we'll okay. talk about some other stuff. I, just tell us about Civ. Oh, <laughs> it's so good, man. Okay, yeah. so... Beyond Earth is a game that I review, and I, I have no problem saying this. I gave it too high of a score. I think just the goodness, <laughs> oh. the goodness of Civ Five, and me not being as familiar and not having as thorough of an understanding as I probably should have, probably overrated it. I still think there are some really cool things in Beyond Earth, but overall, it was a disappointment, and the community uh, was right to be disappointed. It was a very bland dull game uh, where it's and even its best ideas I don't think were fully thought through and so I went into I went into Civ 6 with a healthy amount of skepticism uh, just because I think over time I became really sour about Beyond Earth and pretty immediately I was like oh this seems really smart but I, I felt that that hesitation and the more I played and about a week before the review started coming out and I had about 30 40 hours in Civ 6 I was able to say no this is great mm -hmm. and I think what makes it so great is it's not this dramatic departure a lot of people are saying oh it's just Civ 5 and I guess if you look at it very basically the the general framework of Civ 5 is there there aren't a zillion changes uh, that you can list out, but I think the things that they did change are just so important and so dramatic. Um, and I, I think, just right off the gate, the thing that I want to say is, Civ 6 has such a personality to it. It looks it's, so good. The aesthetic is so cozy. It is. The the music that oh, plays, the music yeah. is is an incredible soundtrack. Mm -hmm. and, There's uh, a warmth. There is the a game. warmth. And I think it's just, every element seems so considered. I know a lot of people like it, but in Civ 5, you just have these white clouds covering everything, and it just seems like, oh, we need some sort of fog of war, so here's a super obvious Love answer. The map. The map, it's yeah, so you, cool. you, you're you on this, like, sort of parchment, and you're slowly uncovering, and it burns away, and it it just has this level of drama to it. And I think the other thing is they, they make what you uncover and what you build feel so much more important and look so good. When you build a wonder, you get a movie and you're like, oh my god, there's Stonehenge, you're seeing it built piece by piece and Sean Bean is narrating it. Or when you find a wonder, you're like, oh, that's the Great Barrier Reef and it's so colorful and it's sparkling at me. It's just, <laughs> it's a turn-based strategy game that is very reliant on numbers, right? And they somehow find a way to make it exciting mm -hmm. and awesome and epic in a way that, that Beyond Earth wasn't. Um, so that's a big thing. But the other thing is, is like in Civ Five, uh, you pretty much just build, cram everything in the city center for the most part. Uh, so you're just sort of, you have this one space and you're slowly expanding it over time. And the thing with Civ Five is you could kind of just get into this attitude where you you sort of have a plan that you're going for and you hunker sort of down. you hunker down, you burrow into it. In Civ Six, you can't do that. And some people are going to be annoyed by it, but I, I feel like the game makes you pivot so often. And a big part of that is cities are now unpacked, and so to get a lot of the benefits from 
from like science or culture or, or military to focus on those things, you need to build districts. You need to build a campus, and that's going to give you your science. Uh, you need to build a theater square, and that's going to give you your culture. And where you put those is extremely important. So it's like the campus gets a benefit from being adjacent to a mountain or being like next to a wonder. And so you have to have this forethought where you're like, okay, I'm going to put this here and then later I'm going to put these other things around it and make those benefits, you know, even more dramatic. And it's hard to do at first. I think your first couple of games, you're not going to know how to kind of structure those things out. But it, it also makes your start extremely important. I think more important than, than, than past Civ games because if you aren't going to get the benefits from building the specific thing, should you do it? Maybe, depending on the circumstances, depending on what the other players are doing, depending on the, the technology and the culture that you've boosted. It's just there are one single turn can make you question everything you've been doing up to that point. Oh, no. You might be like, all right, I'm going to go. I've, I've got a good start. I've got a lot of faith. I've founded religion before anything else. I'm going to prioritize that. Something happens. Greece invades you, and you have to. You just, you're pivoting all the time. And I, there's, I feel like less often, less often than ever, I'm just hitting next turn and not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Like, even where your scouts are exploring feels more important because barbarians are so aggressive. Mm-hmm. Barbarians will destroy you in the early game, even on the lower difficulties. Like, you can just be surrounded before you know it, and that's something you have to pay attention to. Maybe you're like, oh, I don't need to worry about my military. Suddenly you're pumping units out. And I just... It's incredible. It's an incredible yeah. game. Um, I'm trying not to get too into the weeds because I feel like there are a lot of things that I could oh, talk about. Oh, we could about talk about wouldn't. Civilization for three hours. Yeah, I, that would, I wouldn't register, but... Will yeah. you stream it with me? Yeah, I would love to stream it with you. I want help. Yeah. Because, again, like life-altering moment in my life was StarCraft 1, mm-hmm. you know? Playing that game beating my head against the wall, being like, dude, what the hell? This is so impossible. Oh my god, I don't understand this. I can't do this. Playing it, and like that moment clicking changed the course of my entire video game tastes in life. Yeah. Um, because it just, it's like, whoa, I get it now. Right. I'm seeking that moment in Civilization VI, um, but it would be an honor. Yeah, if it's... I could stream it with you, dude. Another game that I've been playing, Monster Hunter, it has, sort of has the same quality where you can't just play a tutorial, you can't just play a game and then have suddenly everything make sense. It's, it's a very slow process where you just sort of get one thing at a time and you, you stack it all on top of each other and eventually over you know, a period of months or even years, you finally feel like you have a pretty comprehensive understanding. So it's, it's, it's slow going, but it's worth it. It's so satisfying. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one, sorry, there's one point that I forgot that I, that I do want to bring up is I think they've done an excellent job of making each civilization stand out a little bit more, and they've made their benefits more dramatic and more powerful uh, than they were in Civ Five. Like, being uh, Gorgo and just every kill you get culture and just... They make the, the, like, aggressive, like, Montezuma is a real jerk, and he's got really powerful early game, and he'll just come, and he'll, like, take your your builders and stuff, <laughs> or make builders out of your units, and it's, I I like that. I think in Civ Five there would be a lot of times where I'd, I'd pick somebody, because it might give me a slight edge here, but it didn't sort of shape the course of my game, mm-hmm. whereas America, when I have 
a plus five combat bonus on my continent. You know, yeah. that feels appropriate. Yeah. Teddy Roosevelt, big stick. Uh, <laughs> it's good. Gandhi still OP? I haven't played Gandhi yet. <laughs> but I love the way that they've characterized Gandhi. Like, they've they've made his head like, hey, Arnold. Like, and he's just, <laughs> like, he, yeah, he comes up to you and he's like, hey, I'm Gandhi, let's be friends. You're like, all right, Gandhi. All right, Arnold, let's be friends. Yeah, it's a very long head. Um, the other thing that I really want to talk about um, is Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Oh, yeah, tell me about this. And I know you've been playing it, Huber, and I <laughs> I know it's fashionable to hate Call of Duty. I know people just dogpile on it because, you know, it's the big dog in town, it's been popular for so long, whatever. Um, but I really like Black Ops 3, and I played Black Ops 3 the other night, and I had a blast, and I think there was, that game Top has a lot going for Call it. Call of Duty's for me. Yeah. Story and multiplayer. It's very good. Um, I don't like Modern Warfare. Or at least Infinite the multiplayer. Or, or sorry, not modern. I love oh, modern warfare. Oh, yeah. Whoops. Everyone right now is like, Whoa. Yeah, yeah, no, I, which works down. I love, I, I love like, modern warfare. Was sick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Infinite Where warfare. Um, I've been playing the beta, and I I've put about eight to ten hours in it. I think, mm-hmm. if I had to guess. Um, and. It just kind of seems both all over the place and like it's not really doing anything special. Like there's there's nothing. It doesn't feel like it has an identity to it um, hmm. the way past Call of Duty games have. And I think a big problem for me. So they've been releasing maps uh, slowly. They've been trickling them out over the course of the beta, and some are much stronger than others. Mm-hmm. I do think the later ones are really really good. Some of the early ones I've been playing are just they're just trash. Like I'm. Totally comfortable saying with it. They're they're bad. I'm not like MLG enough yeah. with Call of Duty to understand the insane intricacies of Call of Duty maps. Sure. And to me, I can never appreciate them. Mm. You know? Like Battlefield relies so heavily on the environment, whereas anytime I'm playing Call of Duty multiplayer, it's like, yo, who's in front of me? Yeah. Who's who's around me? You know, it, it's like I'm not playing the map. I'm playing shoot person. <laughs> right. I, I'm not a professional first person yeah. shooter player either, but I, I do think there are some things that you can sense, right? Like mm-hmm. in Battlefield, when we were talking about how the, the the maps are laid out enough where you always feel like you're kind of being funneled to a dramatic, exciting moment. And I feel like there's one map in particular in, in Infinite Warfare that really bums me out. It's the space station map where it's everything is really Hallway. cramped together, yeah. but you can like pop up out of the ground and there's like an underground area but it, the way that it's all laid out there's no there's no flow to it it feels mm-hmm. like every single firefight i'm getting to i i i can't really think about my placement or where i'm going i'm just totally relying on the mini map and those red dots being up it feels like chaos in a bad way where mm-hmm. it, it, it makes no sense and you can't study it and learn and get better it just feels random for the sake of random yeah. and whether i'm winning or losing it it doesn't really matter. It's just it has so like an artificial off the wall. feeling. Yeah. 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 And the other thing I think is the the movement is is back from Black Ops 3. Uh, so you can wall run and and boost and slide. Um, one it doesn't feel as fluid as it did in Black Ops 3. I feel like in Black Ops 3 I could kind of like get up to places, get around and move quicker. There was a snappiness to it that is it's like they've scaled it back in mm-hmm. Infinite Warfare. Maybe they've done it intentionally. But 
I feel like the maps don't do a good job of arguing for that extra mobility. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of times where I'm like, yeah, I, I can do that. But, but why would I here? Right. And having played a lot of Titanfall 2 recently, I feel like mastering that advanced mobility and getting up and running around gives you such an immediate and obvious benefit. Especially and, in Black Ops 3. Like yeah. some, of, some of those maps, like the Redwood. I, I saw so many right. ridiculous videos where people would float outside of the map yeah. and like catch a little thing and then like hop up and do it again. Right. Uh, yeah, and I just haven't seen that in Infinite Warfare. No. It's it's, yeah. it's weird. And the, the, the rig thing is sort of like the specialist, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's even more generic. Like, Tripling down on unlocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like but, leveling up. But like you're you're this human rig and you get like this gun. Like it's just when I when I fill up this meter I get this more powerful gun and it just it shoots things really fast. But it's not it's not fun or unique or cool. Like there's there's just nothing Whoa, there. None of the guns are like cool new sci-fi weapons no, or anything. They they are, but I'm talking specifically so you you have this rig and your rig determines like this kind of super ability that you get. Okay. And over time it'll fill up. And like the human one is you get like this weird it kind of looks cool like almost crossbow looking thing that shoots extremely fast in a wide arc, but when you play it out it just Oh. It's just like, oh, I got to I got to Cuz when gun. they revealed this Call of Duty and it was like in space. I was like, "Cool, yeah. let's get really weird and like sci-fi and have like really crazy fun weapons and stuff like that." It doesn't really sound like that. They they have it a little bit. I mean, you have energy weapons that you know make a pew pew and regenerate oh, okay. ammo over time, but yeah. it's. I I don't think you feel it as much as you want to be feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, th- I don't want this to turn into a shit talk on Call of Duty because like yeah. you were just saying, Ben, Black Ops. Is so good. It it's is so yeah, top tier. Um, there's just been like an inconsistency with the franchise, I think, and right. different studios. And it's different studios, and it's a yearly game. You know, we get it every single year now. Call of Duty. Um, yeah, I'm a little, little worried about Infinite Warfare post beta. But again, it's still beta, so uh, we'll see where it goes from there. But uh-huh. yeah, um, no, I. Yeah, I'm a little concerned. Yeah, I, I just I feel like I've been playing it enough to to express Absolutely. that worry, you know. Absolutely. And, uh, and the sci-fi uh, mystique has kind of worn out its welcome a little bit now, you know. Like right. you know, Advanced Warfare and Black Ops Two, even and now Three, now again, it's like all right, science fiction is the new modern. So yeah, I just the no- that novelty is not as unique anymore. Right, totally. And you just have two prominent shooters coming out that I do think stand out far better. So mm-hmm. I think Battlefield 1, going back to the past, they, they, they've kind of nailed that aesthetic. Like we said, like just seeing the Zeppelins overhead, it's such a moment that you haven't really felt before. Um, and even Titanfall 2, the Titans, having them all have different abilities and mm-hmm. you know, you've got your Ronin with a ninja sword. It's just... I. I can't find that hook in Infinite Warfare, that thing to latch onto and make me excited to play it. I'll tell you. Tell me. The campaign. Right. Always a blast. Right. Every single year, Call of Duty's campaign is so good. That was Uh, the one uh, mark against Battlefield 1. It was stronger uh, than previous Battlefields. I know a lot of people say Bad Company is... Obviously, that campaign's great. Uh, But Call of Duty... 
every year just destroys the uh, the campaign. It's so good. I have every such year, a blast with it. Ghosts, man. Go. I, we don't talk about ghosts. All right, we don't, we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> <It's a battle. laughs> There's one really cool moment in Ghosts I always come back to, though, in the campaign. Yeah. Definitely the worst campaign. But there's that one moment when you're in shallow water and you crouch walk fully submerged under the water and, like, pick someone down. It's, like, knife them down into the water. It's a memorable moment. I don't know. I always come back to it. <laughs> Call of Duty Ghosts out now. <laughs> Been out for a while. Not for a while. Guys, it's... Oh, go ahead. So, I am really sorry to interrupt, but I, no. I forgot a game that I played oh. that I really wanted to talk about. Yeah. Your shooting stuff made me remember it. Yeah. So, uh, one of our uh, patrons... Uh, I can't always pronounce the name right. Uh, Seraphim... Seraphim Bahan. Thank you. Yeah. The first part. It was nice enough to send me uh, a demo code for Valkyria Azure Revolution. Oh my god, tell me about this. So, the, the new Valkyria Chronicles game. Uh, so, I'll preface this by saying it was all in Japanese. So, there's a little bit of fumbling for a bit, figuring out how everything works. So, in essence, it is still basically the Valkyria style where everything in moves in real time. Like, enemies react to you in real time as you're moving. The thing is, it's not turn-based anymore in the sense that it's not a strategy RPG so much anymore. What? There is There is some strategy to it, but it's not like, hey, you have time to think about your your turn and stuff like that. If you're, you're out in the open, if you're not taking cover, um, you're out in the open. Enemies are constantly moving around, so it's more of like a, an action RPG now. Uh, and everything is completely in real time. Uh, you, you can toggle between your... You pick four squad members to go into each mission. And the, 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 the environments are very similar to, to the Valkyria Chronicles. They didn't feel as grand in scale, but maybe that's because it was just a demo. They're a little bit more claustrophobic, but and it focuses a little bit more on like closed quarters combat. Mm-hmm. Um, Shotguns? I didn't have shotguns, but it does work in the old the old system where you can take out if you're a, a, a scout type class, you can take out your rifle, you can aim and shoot. Okay, you have thank a sni- God. you can do the sniper thing. It looks exact same. You can toss the ragnite grenade and stuff like that. It's just that w- when you're aiming, it lets you aim and everything stops for that part of it still. But everything else is still in real time. And the the thing I can say, like you have. Those turn-based style actions, but then you have the, these real-time combat actions. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, you have like melee combat attacks. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh that are God. that are like a that are like a combo attack that you have. Uh, you have spell-based abilities. Uh, you have like this like uh, spell bar you can go to. You have all your different abilities. You can either heal. You can do elemental-based damage. It'll show you the uh, the area of effect where you're gonna hit stuff like that. Uh, apparently, you could swap in and out your abilities as you unlock new ones. The demo will give you a ton of them, though, to try out. But I think the biggest thing is that it feels a little off to me compared to... Like, I'm seeing everything play out, and I just can't help saying, I wish this was this Valkyria Chronicles 4. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks really good. Uh, or, I mean, it looks okay. Uh, let me rephrase that. It looks... It doesn't look like it's taxing the PS4. It looks like... Quick it lo- question. 
Is the art style still the same as like the original it's one? It's roughly the same. Um, mm. When you're aiming, like when you toss a smoke grenade, it does the same effect with like the, the mm-hmm. edges and stuff, but that's not really going But like on. the way the characters look like drawn and everything. like It's a little different. Um, it, it, it's, it's not as, it's not exactly the same, but it's very close, I feel, because there's more character variation. They're not all in the same uniform. Each character has a distinct look. Yeah, okay, hold on. I had a... Okay, I remember seeing something for this game a while ago, yeah. and like they were wearing like it felt like anime like pop idol like outfits or something like that, like really weird, like not consistent with that world. They're like because like you know in the original one, everyone had like military I don't know uniforms. why we'd be going out into battle in some of these outfits. I will say that it is definitely trying to appeal <laughs> to that audience. Mm. the The enemies are all dressed in like uniform okay. and stuff. It's it's still trying to maintain that at least. But they did stray a little bit from that. Okay. Like, it didn't break the immersion of war pretty much in, in the older ones because everyone was in a uniform. Everyone looked like they belonged on that battlefield. No one was wearing this long flowing dress, you know, wearing. Looked like a, a Final Fantasy character out there. Yeah. Um, the, the, there was one boss battle that I liked that uh, you have to basically w- use your characters uh, in conjunction together to take down. Uh, certain parts. So now you can target the different parts of like enemies and bosses mm-hmm. uh, to basically exploit like the weak points, stuff like that. But the thing is, because they're moving in real time now, uh, they don't always give you like the easiest opportunity to, to hit that and stuff. So it felt like I was fumbling a lot in terms of like, because in Old Valkyrie, it'd be like, I can take my time, line up the shot and everything, move around the spot. But as you're moving, the, the thing's protecting itself. It's like, I'm not just going to let you like stroll up to me and mm-hmm. you know, hit me and stuff. So it's definitely more RPG this time. They definitely decided to go that route with it and pull back on the strategy element of it. Um, and the one part I did not like, and I hope it's just for the demo, there's like three maps. You really have to grind the first map before you're ready to take on the second map because the level difference, you just get like obliterated by some of the oh, enemies. No. And then like the hardest map, I like walked on it and just got like ruffle stumped. I was like, it was fighting the Valkyria. I was like, oh, it's a boss encounter. And then immediately like the chat in the stream was like, she's level like 35 and you're level 10. Good and luck. Dead. And like she one shot everyone. I was like, Really? I was like, this better not be the final game where I I don't think this could be the final game. They're probably gonna have more balanced uh-huh. like missions. But it give you the illusion that you could choose different paths in the story and go down this route and take on this mission, but yeah, I, that, that, for the demo, that wasn't really good. It's not the greatest demo, and it's a little rough uh, technically. There's a lot of hiccups with the, the frame rate and some other weird oddities going on with it. Um, and I feel kind of bad because after I played it, they announced they were considering making a, a demo for everyone, a.k.a. an English demo yeah. down yeah. the road. I was, like, oh, come, I was like, come on, what are you waiting for? Uh, and this was the version 2.0. So this wasn't... They released an older version that apparently was a disaster. Oh my god! That's like, like I play, I've played that. I, I, yeah. I basically, I was told to stay away from that one. This one was at least playable, and I see some potential there. But it feels like it has such a long way to go for this. Oh and man! Again, my my biggest takeaway was I just want. I wish it was just Valkyria Chronicles Four. I was like, please just give me Valkyria Chronicles Four on PS4. <sighs> yeah, it's. <laughs> It's a little sad. At least they're trying. It could be dead. They could just never yeah, try and yeah. revisit it again. That's why. That's why I'm like holding back because. Please be good. Uh, yeah. But this Please could be, be this could be the franchise's killer for it though if it doesn't shape up. Yikes! I had such high hopes when they put it on Steam. I was like, yes, we're going the right direction. They know now. 
Oh, it did so well on yeah. Steam. My, my understanding is the remaster on PS4 did, did well as... Well, that's because I know people like the first one. Two is one. PSP only? <laughs> Correct. Two, yeah. two and three. Two, two and three. three. Came out here. Sent it to die. By yeah. PSP. Yo, Ready at Dawn. Remaster that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be way down. Blue point. <laughs> yeah, blue point, dude. Let's go. I lo- oh my god. It's. I don't want to. I'm just gonna cry. So I can't. I can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, we gotta move on. I'm we gotta move on. To. Boy, a topic that we've been waiting to discuss. Forever. We've been, we've been waiting with bated breath. It is time. For a very very special. Hochake. Double chop on that one. Damn. Double chop. <laughs> this week, last week, by the time you're watching this, uh, Nintendo announced their new console. They gave it a name. The Nintendo Switch. Great name. I was hoping you were going to segue, like, make the Switch to Hotake or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, make I'm not that creative. Uh, <laughs> Skyrim. I'll have to remember that for next time. Uh, so here's what we know about it. It is exactly as the rumors described, where it is both a portable, it is a hybrid console. It, it, you can take it on the go with you, and you can play it on your TV at home. Uh, so there are different ways that you can do this. Uh, they have special controllers called Joy-Con controllers, which is... I'm which never going to get Joy-Con. Used, yeah, I'm never going to get used to saying that. off uh, weird. I abbreviate I don't know why they didn't. But for some reason, it gives me a weird Neo Geo vibe, Joy-Con, so I kind of like it at the same time. There is something very 90s video game about it. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Um, So you can play it uh, on the tablet, on the go. You have these two uh, detachable Joy-Con controllers on the side playing it. Um, You can also uh, flip, you can take the Joy-Con controllers off, play it on your TV, and like flip them around and sort of like holding a Wii Remote sideways. It's, It's much smaller than that, but you can do that here. As well, uh, you can also, there's a Pro Controller that is out. And something important to note on both the Joy-Con controllers and the Pro Controller, the joysticks aren't symmetrical anymore. So you've got your left analog stick above, mm-hmm. your right analog stick. Um, so some people love that change, some people hate it. I will let you guys discuss. Another very important thing, not using discs, going back to... A card. It's a, a cartridge. Card. Yeah, a card, yes. Um, which... I'm curious to know what you guys think about that. And and there are other things, there are other details that I can ravel off. But if you're watching the show, you probably know most of them. Yeah. And what you don't know is how we feel about the Nintendo Switch. And so I want to do a temperature gauge, initial gut reactions. Uh, how did you feel watching it, that, that, that reveal? And how do you feel now that you've had some time to process it? What do you think? Are you in? Who's going first? I'm not going first. All right. All right. Yes, obvious. Uh, I think I was just like so surprised at how accurate a lot of the rumors were about it. Um, generally, I always feel that like some of them are right and some aren't. Um, I am very so. I'll go down the list. I'm I'm very hesitant about the the Joy-Con stuff, uh, the detachable controllers. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm ever really going to utilize that. Um, I think I. The most I'll utilize it is if I'm using the tablet form and have them on the sides to hold that on the go. Like if I want to play on the go, that's probably the way I'm going to be playing. But when I'm at home, uh, that thing most of the time is going to be in that dock and I'm going to be using that Pro Controller. And I want to th- I'm very grateful that Nintendo not only showed that controller, the, the, the more standard form factor controller, in the, the trailer and prominently featured it. Um, 
but they stayed away. Uh, they stayed away from a lot of tropes that I think kind of got them a stereotype for the last you know few two generations. I say I say it started with the Wii and permeated through the Wii U. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, the console wasn't shown off in white. Uh, they, they went away <laughs> from the, the white color scheme, which has always been like their default one, which was nice, but. And they didn't show any motion controls, really. Some people are tilting controller, but like everyone, they always show that in gaming commercials when someone's playing a racing game. Like, I'm tilting the controller because I think I'm really driving, but didn't really emphasize any kind of motion stuff. No touchscreen stuff, even though suppose the rumors mm-hmm. are conflicted about if it's touch, multi-touch. Um, there wasn't very uh, skewed towards a younger audience. It was the, their style, lifestyle video. Yeah. It was skewed towards like the per- the average person on the go, essentially. Um, I-, I think they're trying to broaden their appeal without starting at the target demographic of like a younger audience, which was nice to see. Um, the even the games, even though they had Zelda and they had a supposedly new Mario in there, who knows if that was really footage or those mock-up stuff? Who knows? Um, were there two games? They prominently featured. Supposedly Skyrim, you know, Bethesda's like, oh, there really isn't a Skyrim confirmed to be uh, coming out on Switch and some basketball game. They showed off a lot of non-Nintendo mock-up footage for that, uh, dedicated a lot of time to that. So, and then when they showed that slide of the partners, comparing that to the Wii U one, where it's this tiny little circle and it was mostly Japanese developers mm-hmm. and EA and Ubisoft, this one had like everyone pretty much. Like, everyone was a quote-unquote partner. Who knows what that would really mean? Right. <clears throat> but either they wised up and decided to be a little bit more diverse in showing that, or they've got more people interested in this one than they did with Wii U because, hey, uh, even though it's uh, it's a hybrid, which is their hook this time in the controllers, everything about it seems a little bit more traditional and, like, what people expect. It's The, the hook this time is in weird motion controls. Isn't this weird, is it a tablet? Is it not a tablet with the Wii U? Is it a peripheral? I think they nailed the messaging with this for the most part uh, on, on the core concept. Let's, let's talk about that message and that core concept. Uh, the hybrid nature of the Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. I want to know how much that matters to you guys. Do you think that that is a good idea to hang your hat on? For me, it does not matter whatsoever. Okay. Because I probably, knowing myself, I don't really play handhelds like on the go mm-hmm. at all. Because I don't travel a lot or anything like that. For me, it doesn't matter. But I think it's a smart idea, kind of merging their handheld market. I assume they're going to. I don't yeah. know if there'll be another DS anywhere because they they are successful on handhelds, but just not home consoles. They're kind of morphing together. I totally could. I understand why they did this. Big right. Time. Um, and Brad, before I. You brought up a lot there that I that I do kind of want to dig into, but uh, before I do that, let me ask you just a hypothetical question. We don't have the specs for the Nintendo Switch. I am not claiming to have the specs. This is just a hypothetical, mm-hmm. okay? This is just in the realm of fantasy. Would you rather have this hybrid console or a dedicated TV home console that was more powerful? If it was up to you. For me, it's always home console more powerful. Sure. Because when I like showing games for this... Yeah. I didn't know that these... I couldn't tell if this was, like, a new system or a Wii U game. Mm-hmm. Like, when they fair. showed Mario Kart, I was like, is this, like, a, a like a new version of the the Mario Kart we got on Wii U kind of right now? Like, right. there's a new character. They showed Skyrim, an 11-year-old game... Oh, I'm sorry, 5-year-old <laughs> game. Sorry, no, sorry. It kind of it feels like 11, 11, 11, 11. That's what I remember. Wait, sorry. But, yeah. <laughs> it feels like 11-year-old game. Yeah. But, yeah, I was like, 
you're debuting your console right now to show off your new hardware and everything, and you're showing me a game from five years ago. Yeah. What are you doing? Now, let me play devil's advocate here. Play devil's advocate. Two, two things that I think are important. Um, and one that I think is actually personally a big deal to me is, theoretically, presumably, this consolidates their console and handheld Correct. developments. And so, I, I am an adamant Nintendo fan. I love Nintendo more than the average person. I I'm think not, all of us at this table love Nintendo. Exactly. But even adamantly loving Nintendo, there'd be a lot of times where the the Wii U in my mind would just sort of fade away because there's nothing coming out of it. Mm-hmm. There would be this huge chunks of time where I didn't want to play either what was coming out of it or there was just simply nothing coming out of it. It, it felt hard to stay engaged with it. And I if this fixes that problem or at least alleviates it a little bit, that's a bigger deal. To where me. you want to play old games? No, no, I, not old games. I'm saying like because the the they're not as spread out, they're not developing for two different things. They're developing No, for yeah, I totally get you that. You can do things more quickly. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. But I'm just curious why they're showing that game off for debuting their console. So that's my other thing. That's not impressive that's, to show off. This is my devil's advocate game. thing that I that I want to bring up with Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Is yes, it's a five year old game. Yes, it's not impressive, even if it's this remastered version, right? But you've never really there are. This is not 100 percent true, but for the most part, on a you know big three console, you haven't been able to play Skyrim on the go. Skyrim is a huge game. A lot of people love it. It's something you can sink a lot of hours into. Do you think that matters? For me, no. But okay. the thing that my argument with is now, now every game is going to be portable. That doesn't make uh, Skyrim any more important now than any other game you haven't been able to play portable. Now everything is. But I would argue that maybe Skyrim is a game you would want to be portable. A game maybe, that you can yeah. sink so many hours into. Uh, somebody else brought up, you know, imagine if you could play Destiny on this thing. Like, there are a lot of times I'm going up on trips, and, like, let's say I'm trying to get my light level up. I don't want to play these handheld games. I want to, now that I have time, that I'm in a hotel or whatever, I'm on a plane, I can do that grinding yeah, on the go. I mean, I totally get, like, the you whole, know? like, wanting to play it, but I just thought it was a weird choice to show old stuff. Sure. Like, really old stuff. Sure. I think that's fair. It is weird to show Skyrim during a reveal. Like, I would, I would understand it more if they showed their online game. Like, I get why they're showing Skyrim, because it's popular and people like it a lot. Right. But, like, they're showing something newer. Something not just, like, old. And a remaster, if it, like... And if how powerful this thing is... Yeah. Is this going to be, like, the worst version, also? <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people are going to say, well, that, that impressive stuff, that new stuff... Yeah. That Nintendo stuff is coming... Yeah, and of, of course, course it's of course. coming. Yeah, yeah, but, but you're totally right. That first impression is so important. And I'm... I don't know. Hubert, what do you think? What do you think of that first impression? How did the video strike you? I like the video. Um, disclaimer, though, my bar has been a little low with Nintendo. Uh, okay. The Wii and then the Wii U is kind of like, you know, has, <laughs> yeah. brought, has brought me down a bit. Um, but I love that the reveal immediately was dude in a dark room because mm-hmm. uh, that's me, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what, I, that's what I want out of a new Nintendo console. Um and the fact that they didn't show kids and, and like all of that, it was like speaking, it was saying, yo, game, like Nintendo gamer, we're coming back to you uh, in a sense. That's the the message I kind of took away from it. Uh, but to just like, like Brad was saying about the handheld nature, that doesn't do it for me personally. Okay. Because I'm never on the go. I live in Los Angeles. So when I'm going somewhere, I'm driving mm-hmm. um, that, that, gimmick doesn't help me at all uh i did like when they were playing like head to head 
uh, kind of like chess style. They're playing the basketball game like head to head. That setup is really cool, but it's still just a novelty to me that I will rarely take advantage of. You know, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna push back against that a little bit because I. I think the Wii U was a novelty because of how limited it was. Mm-hmm. You know, there were a lot of times I couldn't take that gamepad into the next room because yeah. it would lose mm-hmm. uh, its connection. Whereas, for you, do you think, you know, let's let's not be as dramatic as you have to go on a trip or family vacation yeah. or whatever it is, but even just the thought of there are some times where I want to keep playing a game, but I'm kind of tired and I have to go to bed and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, <laughs> I guess I'll just watch Twitch on my iPad. I have to turn this off. Even just the thought of being able to take that thing, cozy up in bed, get totally. a few more rounds out, I think is really appealing. I like that. Yeah, it's a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it, and, and it is... It is doing what the Wii U essentially promised. Uh-huh. It is a more realized should, version. It should have been, yeah. yeah. Like, dude on the train playing Wii U, I always come back <laughs> to, you know? Now that seems much more viable, people on the plane playing. Um, I liked the controllers. It seemed pretty cool. Like, the two... Seems very, like, VR style. Mm-hmm. Uh, Double triggers, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, this is just a tease. So, coming away from it all... I'm more excited than I was. I was extremely nervous going in. Um, I just need to see see some games, and I'm good to go. Like they showed Mario. I don't know if that's a real yeah. Mario or not. I'm excited. Oh, that's gonna be real Mario um, for sure. Aside from the power standpoint, the yeah. technical prowess. I've kind of given up on that with Nintendo. Uh, it, it all comes back to their art style. There's still Wii U games that look mm-hmm. great because of the art. Yeah. Um, so yeah, power power doesn't doesn't affect me so i'm going to pose this question to all of you then in a, in a general sense what do you think this system needs to be successful for you a steady influx of video games yeah please not only from nintendo it's not nintendo versus the world mm. they need allies they need third-party support they need a steady so amount of games. We, the second half of that franchise, that console's life, I picked up, like, Skyward Sword, Smash, that, like, Mario Galaxy 1 and 2. The, like, there was, there was a point where I didn't play the Wii for years. Wii U came out, same thing. Played a couple games early on. And for me, like, I know there's some games out there, and, and even some <laughs> ones I haven't played, like Wonderful 101. Yeah, but, but compared I think... to a PS4 or an Xbox One or a PC... Right. Substantially less games. Well, compared to even their handheld, compared even to their sure. handheld, substantially less. So for the Switch to, and like you were saying, to be steady, like to remain yeah. engaged, I need a steady amount of games. And I'm not talking every month a game, but there always needs to be something. I think every month a game, or or yeah, but yeah. even something on the near horizon, like oh, you know, every two three months. We're getting something that that looks great that makes me want to pick up the Switch. So let me pose two questions to you. I think this is really important. Let's say you've got big game coming out. Let's say you just, again, hypothetically, you got Destiny 2 coming out. And they're like, hey, it's coming out on the Switch. It's coming out on the PS4. It's coming out on the Xbox One and PC. Mm-hmm. What do you play that on? Even if it's a great version on the Switch, what do you play that on? So I'm going to sidestep this answer and say... Nope. Whatever anyone, everyone else is playing on. What do you I'll think, everyone? It. Yeah, I'll answer it. PC, right? Control. 
Right. I, I think that I, I'm not trying to attack you here. Yeah. I'm saying I'm saying that that's going to be true for a lot of people. Yeah. And so that's and that's weird... where I'm going to I'm going to go where my you know Brad's going to PC. Hey right. Brad, I'm going to follow you there, man. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I I think that's a real issue and has been an issue for a long time with Nintendo. Yeah. Um. And the other thing is is when you you do get these weird kind of cool, well reviewed but underperforming games like Red Steel Two on the mm-hmm. Wii or mm-hmm. Zack and Wiki. Like Ooh. you have these things that are really good, but don't have the sales to see future support, it puts Nintendo in a very tricky situation, and I don't know how you solve that problem. Like you are saying, though, grinding on the go? That sounds awesome. Right. So maybe do you think <laughs> that would be compelling enough for people to pick up that version? Yeah. So they could do that on yeah, the go? Yeah, for sure. There's people that want to do that. Definitely. If there was some kind of... Uh, Especially if you could unify your yes, account across yes. every platform. Exactly. That's very important. Exactly. But like, that's another thing that Nintendo hasn't gotten. That's no, what I need. They need I to need... bust down those doors and be like, yo, everyone, we're aligned with everyone. We're off... Like, we offer something different with our portability, with our control, but we are so open to cross-play, to play anywhere, to all of those things. Like, I don't know how hard that is to make happen, but... That would be such a deal breaker. That would be so amazing. That would make me want to switch it up. I'd make the switch. <laughs> Dominic, you've been, you, you know, you're a dyed-in-the-wool, like, Nintendo fan. And you've been critical of them with the, the Wii and the Wii U. There, there have been things that they've done that they haven't liked. What is it that is going to make you, like, through the roof excited about the Switch? I mean, Huber said... For someone like Huber, he wants more software in general, not just for Nintendo. Mm-hmm. I think Nintendo's problem for a long time has just been their own releases. They they just have content droughts with their own stuff as well. And it looks like at times there was points where they just didn't give a crap about mm-hmm. Wii U. It would be like months to almost like a year between like major releases or releases that cater to someone like my interest or something, something like that. Uh, I think they need to avoid that. For me, they need to avoid that with uh, their first-party releases. Every three to four months, there needs to be a roughly like a, a core game release from Nintendo, whether it's a new IP that they, they decide to make, whether it's from one of their established franchises, or it's a game they've partnered up with that's an exclusive, like a Bayonetta 3 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need like three of those games a year minimum mm-hmm. yep. from Nintendo. I get what everyone's been saying about the third-party stuff, Everyone keeps saying, like, not having third-party support on, on Nintendo has been its doom. Uh, it, it certainly hurt its perception, but the answers you guys just gave basically sum up what I think everyone feels is that you have a preference for a certain platform. Um, if you're get, when given the option, you're going to play it on the platform that either most people are playing on or gives you the most options, which is usually the PC. Or just uh, performs the best. Yeah, it performs or the best. Or just make... A third-party game that's unique to that system, like exactly. they do for 3DS. That's what I'm talking so about. So the problem is with that. Like Bayonetta, that so is what I mean. your argument there, they tried doing that with Wii with some games. There were some pretty good games. You mentioned Zack and Wiki. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There were some good games for that. They just didn't sell very well. Because they didn't promote them at all. They got yeah. buried. Yeah. So that that's a... that's. Who knows if that's Nintendo and or the the, the I mean, publisher I'm not of the saying, game? I don't know whose fault I, it is. Yeah, but I know, that's I know that. But like, the problem is people have tried on Nintendo and like they didn't see the returns on that. Mm-hmm. When uh, I think the only one like Just Dance, but that wasn't like too unique for yeah. a while. 
uh, what was it, stupid carnival games on Wii or whatever, like sold like a bunch of the the thing, and everyone else like that put actual effort into the the system didn't get the the, mm-hmm. the the payoffs that they were hoping for. I don't think that's necessarily the answer. Uh, making unique experiences that take advantage, especially on the Switch. Well, it doesn't even unique I, it, like yeah, Bayonetta two doesn't take advantage of the gamepad. But it is a third party coming in and giving me something that I'm going to pick up my Wii U for. So third party exclusives, there are definitely some relationships Nintendo has with existing uh, developers that they could leverage. <laughs> like they could definitely re- push on Sega to maybe like make a, another Sonic game or Bayonetta three. But I don't think they have those relationships with like the publishers you guys are interested in. They're not going to get they do any, now. They're not going to get an exclusive like Rockstar thing. They're not going to get exclusive Bethesda thing. I. Highly doubt that they're not going to exclude very rare chances get an exclusive from EA in any form. What they need to push, I think, was Switch, which is what the Wii- you said the Wii U was the promise of it was to play anywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't think they actually meant try that wasn't what they promised. If, they, if that's what you got, I think they're mess- it was part of their failed messaging and Just their like that entire, their poor yeah, communication. Like it was only meant to be playing a second screen experience. They're saying Switch is not a second screen experience. It's not designed uh-huh. to do that. It doesn't do that. It's meant to play anywhere. So if they could convince enough people, and it might not be us. This isn't for me necessarily, uh-huh. but they're going for that mainstream hook again. It's you can play. We have every game from third parties that's on every other platform. Like the PS4, Xbox One, or PC version of the next whatever game is going to look better on those systems. It's going to perform better. But you can't take those on the go with uh-huh. you everywhere. So for the average mainstream person who <coughs> geez, is used to maybe mobile gaming or at least some kind of portability because they travel or they, they're on the go so much. You talk about LA. I mean, there's Tons of other places, like people commute through trains. I'm and an stuff. old fogey. I don't yeah. go anywhere. So. It, and they're thinking, <laughs> they're thinking internationally here, like in Europe and Japan. You know, they're very mobile focused. They have the very best, mm-hmm. better public infrastructure, transportation infrastructure than here. They're thinking about that hook there that you can go and play a Destiny at any time if they get that. Or they get like Grand Theft Auto 6 or Red Dead Redemption 2. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not going to look better than the PS4 Pro or the Scorpio version or even the, if it comes out on PC. But hey, if you're on that two-hour train ride or one-hour train ride every day, you could play it on there. I, I, I was, think that's who they're going to go after. Okay, that's a good thing, but here's the problem. Just like with Wii U, that will last for like a year. Then the other consoles will come out and Nintendo will be left in the dust again. From a power standpoint, where they can't have those games on there, it'll be cool for a year and everything. Yeah. So I don't think it's gonna be for a year. I, okay. I, I, so I, if I think I think then the pro is because, out because before of, yeah. Switch. Pro is out before, but the no, let's not get into pro stuff because <laughs> the the whole the whole thing with 15 and PS4 Pro that just came out though. Yeah. yeah. The, then I think you're gonna get bare bones efforts from people on PS4 Pro <laughs> for a while. Uh, because everyone has this delusion that you're getting PC specs. No, <laughs> you're definitely not. <laughs> but I want to get on that tangent. I I think you're I think you're overestimating the the, the, or the length there. I think PS if you're talking about PS5 or, or Xbox One mm-hmm. Part Two, whatever, those are if ever like years off. I yeah, think. like a year or two, like 2018 easily. No, no. They, they were gonna look at their they're gonna look at the iterative stuff. They they they're gonna what do you s- mean? No, they're already doing like Microsoft. No, they're doing iterative on this console generation. That's why they're doing a new console already. No, Scorpio is an incremental upgrade. And that's what I'm saying. They're gonna keep doing that. Nintendo's gonna get left in the dust. Yeah, but like we don't Nintendo's know. We start. don't know how consumers are gonna react to that on the sure. console just because it works with cell phones. 
and mobile technology doesn't mean that that's going to necessarily work with consoles. We still haven't seen PS4 Pro sales yet. We haven't seen right. what Scorpio's going to sell next year. Who I'm knows just saying actually what's works? happened with Nintendo and the last two consoles. And who doesn't say that Nintendo, if it does work, Nintendo doesn't make Switch incremental upgrades. And it's mobile technology. That would, okay, probably that would be, be easier for yeah. them to do as well. There's just like, no precedent. Yeah, there's it. no precedent for this. <laughs> yeah. so this is way t- like <laughs> this is too hypothetical. <laughs> I understand where you're coming from, but that's more of a wait and see. Yeah. I think with what's known quantity right now, that things... Mobile is a tricky sphere to navigate, but it is a huge market, and they've seen what they've done so far with mobile games, regardless of Mitomo, uh, Pokemon Go mm-hmm. with Niantic, which isn't technically them, and but also uh, with Super Mario Run or whatever that's coming out. They're going to see how those doing, I th- and they know they've been they know they've been masters of the mobile space for like decade for two decades, almost three. Mm-hmm. I think they decided that they want, like Ben was kind of saying, like consolidating one and leveraging that advantage that they have, and saying, "Hey, we're we're comparable. We're just we're always." They, Reggie said they're never getting into an arms race, uh, technical wise, with the other. Uh, yeah, the but other I, consoles okay. But then he comes PC. out and he was like, "Yo, software drive sales, software drive sales. You're gonna play Mario and Zelda on our system, and then they don't get a damn game for over a year. So he can't just come out and be like." Yo, like, our games are going to sell our consoles. He said it a thousand times. And again, with the Wii and the Wii U, there was dry. The well was dry. And it's because they alienated third-party support. Well, that's... That's not... Think about when the Wii launched. Third-party support, like you're saying, too. First-party needs to make more games. Third-party bridges that gap No, you're, you're, in between you're right. those games. But back up a second. I was saying earlier that Nintendo has done these weird hooks before, and I was saying the publishers tried to take advantage of it. They didn't see the return on the awards. It took, takes significantly more to development time and resources for these third-party companies to make unique experiences for Wii, for 3DS and 3D, and for the Wii U second screen or whatever. They just got tired of it. Everything else was kind of normalized. Switch isn't doing anything really gimmicky. It's giving you like a traditional game experience. It's just saying you can also take it on the go. Yeah. There's nothing super special about that. It's just the fact that no one else is really offering that as seamless for a console experience. That I think is enticing third party. That's their message. Right. Nintendo's messaging to third parties. Yo, it's gonna be a little bit slightly underpowered compared to the other consoles, but not that hard to make ports for because we're not doing any weird motion gimmicks, no weird second screen stuff. Just make a straight damn port and it'll run on our system. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was confirmed that's NVIDIA Tegra chip, mm-hmm. like it's it's gonna make it easier for third parties to make sport uh, ports. And I think that's why you saw that list of names because everyone's like, list. Okay, you guarantee us that we'll at least give you the basics. You know, I, I think unlike the Wii and the Wii U, the the power is not as in much in question as it was before. I think saying, this is just less powerful, so I'm not interested. I, I get where you're coming from, but I just don't think that argument holds as much weight here because you there's sort of, like, for if you judge it as a console, it goes down a little bit, but if you judge it as a portable, it goes way up. And that's a big deal. Maybe it's not a big deal to you, but I think in general, it is a big deal that's going to matter to a lot of people. Yeah. If it is, if this is yeah. like the best, most powerful portable that is out there, that sounds really awesome to me. Yeah, not but, only you know, that. I know right. we were agreeing with you. We were no, 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 no I'm not even. Standpoint. I'm not even just attacking you guys. Yeah. I'm just saying, like in general, that that that's, the, 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 that's just what it has to do. When you take X game on the go, it needs to look on that smaller screen, just like you were seeing on the big screen. Right. It doesn't require as much power, but as long as it doesn't break that, mm-hmm. you know, that the fidelity. Illusion of fidelity there. It's like, wow, this new Super Mario 3D game looks just as good as my TV on here. I'm taking it on the go. The average person, that's all they need. It's like, 
in you know the movie making process like as long as everything's doing its job yeah. right you don't notice the thing there's also it, a lot yeah. of factors frame rate resolution battery that, life of course battery life is yeah. Yeah. Well, they huge they haven't so, talked about yeah, that that's yeah. what yeah. I'm very curious there's about rumors that. but they haven't released the the yeah. The actual stuff. I, I want to pivot the, the conversation a little bit because, you know, we're talking about third-party support and first-party support yeah. and something that I think was interesting kind of about the Wii U. I, I always come back to Super Mario 3D World, which is a game I love. I think it's an excellent game. But I think a lot of people who were not like us, who weren't going to get that stuff anyway, that were kind of on the fence, didn't see what was special about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like Mario as you've seen it before in 3D Land and uh, you know, it had the multiplayer stuff of the new yeah. Super Mario Brothers series. I don't think it it grabbed attention the way that like a Super Mario sixty four did. And Super Mario, when I think about like Super Mario sixty four, obviously it was a different time where just making a game into three D was a big deal. But uh, even like a Wind Waker, you know, how that aesthetic, how immediately it popped and caused controversy. Uh, do you think? The Nintendo Switch, when they do come out with the Marios, when they do come out with the Zeldas, and you could argue that Breath of the Wild is doing that, do you think they need to be like that again? Or what do you think those games need to be to make people want a Nintendo Switch? What does first-party development need to do? Do they need to make more Splatoons? Do they need to go kind of... Do they need to get off the Mario Zelda train? Do they need to dig into new IPs? Like, what is it that's going to make first-party Nintendo feel like the best first-party development out there? Consistency would be one good thing. Sure. Having not just, like, yeah, huge gaps, I would say. Like, a lot of... I love a lot of the Wii U games. Like, I love those games, man, but just, like, there's nothing there. It's barren. So you think that's the biggest problem is you just need more of it? For me, personally. If I'm getting... Yeah, if I'm getting, like, two of those a year... And then I get, like, one or two awesome third-party exclusives. That's mm. enough. Like, four or five games a year that I can only play on Switch that are amazing. Perfect. I always go back to the GameCube, and I think of, like, Killer7, Resident Evil, again, Wii U, Bayonetta 2. Like, bridging those gaps to Mario, to Zelda, to Donkey Kong, to Metroid. Those, like, it it just makes it seem like there's so much there when I'm not waiting nine months, ten months for a game to bust out my dusty Wii U. They can't abandon mm-hmm. the console like they they did the Wii U. They totally abandoned that console because like, they were like, we're going to wait for everything else to be on the next. Mm-hmm. So you can't do that. Like, grease some, grease some platinum and Capcom palms. <laughs> like, we're seeing good signs with the publishers <laughs> that they announced. Like, that's a very good sign. Seeing, like, publishers I wouldn't expect, like, from software on there with Nintendo is very strange to me. But that's it is. a great sign. It is. I. To me, it feels a little bit like a smokescreen, like just putting names up on a board. I feel like every console release is like that. Though. Yeah, that's true. That. That's a very good point. Every console release. Uh, I mean, we're at such an early stage yeah. with this, so it's hard to like predict. It is. Especially when they won't tell us more. Yeah. But Not I, until next year? Why? I, what's so interesting is, is thinking about to the conversations I had with you guys uh, at the launch of the PS4 and the Xbox One. I guess there was the DRM stuff that was a big issue, but just the the attitude is different. You know, there's there's mm. a, there's, there's excitement and anger here because mm-hmm. Nintendo has done so many good things, yeah. but there's just been been mistakes that has prevented us from from loving them absolutely. It's like when your family member does something wrong, right? You love That's them, but you're is. so disappointed in them. But like, you see the goodness. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 And it's yeah. like. Nintendo for me for so long has always been that 
separate thing. You mm-hmm. know, again, we're not going to get into an arms race. And it's like, I'm going to have my other consoles, which are, you know, all kind of bundled together. PC, Xbox, PS4. Then I have my Nintendo, where I can only play that, those games there. And I think if they just, like, embrace that more, uh, I personally will be extremely happy. I think... Yeah, go ahead, Donnie. I think you're going to see probably some companies try a little bit more mobile-specific type games yep. on it yeah. because it is a mobile, also mm-hmm. a mobile platform. So there'll be a distinguishment between the more, quote-unquote, console game-type experiences versus, like, something like... Uh, they make us two Super Mario games, one like the 3D one we saw, and then they make like a mobile, like a Super Mario Run type game for on the go. That's like cheaper. That's gonna be also an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna see an interesting thing with pricing uh, on Switch with the games that get released on it. Not just because the you know virtual console possibilities, but just the games that come out. Period. Well, I think there'll be a wide range price range for game experiences that yep. they do on there. Um, my concern with their software at the beginning. Um, they seem to be they they've held off on this for so long. I do think they have a they're gonna have a good software lineup for for launch. My concern is that several of these games might just be Switch versions of Wii U games because those games either didn't one they put so much effort in those games and didn't sell well, so they'd like to recoup some of that money back. But just adding on to them and, and making them it's like it's also easier development. Uh, if those games in the trailer any indication like we saw the Mario Kart Eight but had double items and yeah. new characters. There was a rumor about a Smash Brothers at launch, but everyone was like, it "Has to be a like a Switch version of that of the existing Wii for Wii U one, possibly." We um, saw Splatoon. Is that gonna be a new one, or is that the Splatoon for Switch? I think you're gonna see a few of those within the launch window or the first year, just to help them pad out. I think they'll do fine with the like the three to four good original. They'll have like yeah. Zelda. They'll probably have the Mario game. I don't think Mario will be at launch. I think it'll be like yeah. next year. They'll probably have one other, two other games like that that will come out in that year. But to pad so that maybe there's even more than one month, uh, more than one game a month coming out. It just might be the Switch versions. Of games mm-hmm. that we played on Wii U, but they'll give you more content with it. Like here's some new courses, here's some new levels, here's new mm-hmm. racers or whatever, or you know Smash. You know, hey, it would be great to say, hey, there's a few more characters we didn't sneak into Smash Brothers. We're gonna throw them in here, uh, and then you know buy them time to to get to this year two where they could start with the original releases. I think that's smart. I, I do too. As, as long as they all add something new, they can mm-hmm. none. They're not going to do it, but nothing can be like literally just a port. And with yeah, nothing they have to be it. substantial. The additions. fact that we only got Super Mario 3D World on Wii U, uh, reason I believe that we'll get a Mario pretty soon. Like first yeah. calendar year, you think? I think so. I yeah, think, oh, yeah. I'll be, I think it'll I be the see big see holiday it. title I, next year. I, I think they kind of have to. Yeah, you know, have yeah. to. They absolutely yeah. have to. Yeah, yeah. They, they, have no, yeah, they haven't done a good Back job to, having it. Uh, like for a closing statement of mine, like. I feel like if I still lived in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. like if we transported this podcast to SF and I was still living there, I would have like a vastly different sentiment Yeah, because I traveled every single day. I took the Muni. I took the BART. I was always on the go. I was walking to class. Like, I think that is a big thing, uh, which is interesting, though, like for uh, consoles success kind of like dictates on where you live i think Um, that's such an important point to bring up because we 
there hasn't been a console like this with this amount of flexibility, and you can mm-hmm. you can see so many different situations where it applies to you. And I think what I like about it is even for you, even if you're just staying home, you're still going to want to play Zelda the thing. Like, there's still yeah. something yeah. for you, right? I mean, yeah, there's always something there, no right. matter what. They will always have Mario and Zelda. Yeah. They got so me. I'll, yeah, I'll always be there. <laughs> what this console desperately needs, also, is an account system where your games are bound to your account and not your system, so yeah, people like Benmore, who lose their 3DS or get stolen, do not stolen, lose yeah. out on their games. Yeah, yeah. That, that has to happen. Like, there's no more if excuse it, for that. If it doesn't happen, like, yeah. to, I seriously, riot. maybe not purchase it. They, yeah. Have yeah. To, they have to know by now the backlash of that. Yeah. Like, yeah, their whole infrastructure and everything, like, yo, trophies and achievements, people love those. Let's get some of those yeah, going. Yeah. Like, you earn... Nintendo points, you earn a certain amount, you can like buy a cool puzzle piece or something. Yeah, tight like, in. Let's or go. Like yeah, they need, they need to do Embrace that. Embrace online. Also, software wise, forgot to mention, you need to get that Pokemon Sun and Moon Switch version. Seriously. Kyle Bossman, look out. Seriously. It's happening. All the, all the Pokemon I'm games are going to be coming that. out on Switch. Oh my God, I hope it's, so. it's hard enough to yeah. imagine. The system being super successful, they are going. If that happens, like that that, is that's like, a yeah. foregone conclusion. The biggest no-brainer they yeah. can do. Animal Crossing. Oh my god, Animal Crossing would be so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I think the last thing to add, even though they're not going to talk about it till next year, uh, they just need to really nail the price on this. Yes, it, price. Can, it cannot be more expensive than the. What the PS4, the new PS4 is going to be. I think under three hundred dollars. Has to be three hundred. Has to be two ninety nine or less. I think it's going to be between two fifty and two ninety nine. It was two fifty. The Wii was like two fifty when it came out, right? It was no, it was three three twenty nine or three. The Wii? Yeah, it was like three something for the big for the big. There's two versions. No, you're talking Wii U. Oh, we. That's how bad your Nintendo's messaging was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! I think we was. Either two ninety nine or I think it was three hundred or two fifty. Yeah. Wii U came in the two versions. Yeah. Like the, the three, three something and the two ninety nine one. I think. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo have good messaging this time, so people are not confused and don't. The, know yeah. One skew. Uh, they need to be very clear about like there's one skew needs to be two ninety nine or less. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know what they're going to include with it. There were a lot of peripherals or moving parts shown in that in that yeah, video. Yeah, there was. What's yeah? What's it going to be? Sorry, I just are we was, recording? I was looking at the monitor. We were all with yeah. bated breath, waiting for Ben to confirm nothing was wrong. <laughs> oh we had an episode God. where it wasn't recording, and so I, I just, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I, I apologize for interrupting you, Damiani. It's just no. my heart. I was like, please, yeah. Ben, confirm yeah. the goodness for us. I, <laughs> confirm the good vibes. I'm sorry. Just I'll make, yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll make this clear to huh. all the viewers and listeners right now. Yeah. Me and Mike love Nintendo. We do not hate Nintendo. No, yeah. no, no. I'm All just of extra us are critical. here because of Nintendo. I'm just super much. critical because the Wii and the Wii U just they didn't have as many games as other consoles. The competition. Uh, and 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 again, I keep driving home this third party thing. It's because that was such a big deal. Like it just the gap between I just kept waiting for the first party games mm-hmm. on the Wii and the Wii U and it just took so long for those to come I remember you got a, just, you got a Wii U and you were excited about it I it got was, the Wii U and the Wii U yeah you know what I mean it was it was a while into the Wii U's life and yeah, you finally really. got it and you were excited and you're like oh man don't you go on Tropical Freeze Tropical Freeze, Freeze you're so excited. 3D World yeah you had, you, had, you had Wind Waker remastered and you were so excited but then after you got through that initial rush you just had nothing and yeah. you just 
lost interest. And I think it's yeah. fair. And as, as in terms of like. You not hating Nintendo? I'm sorry if I've come out aggressively, no, but it's what? just I'm just trying to play a devil's advocate. There are going to be people out there who, if we criticize anything about mm. Nintendo, are going to get mad and write four paragraphs on it. Mm. That's fine. We can't help that. True. But, uh, no, it I was think a, I appreciate uh, this perspective. Extra spicy. Oh, Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's passionate. I felt <laughs> some emotions there. Nintendo brings it out of me. Are you guys ready to move on? Yeah. For our final segment. Yeah, let's do Already. it. Ready for a few emails. Maybe no red dead. Up the iPad. Oh. So, hmm, it's, I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> I really want to talk about Red Dead Redemption 2. Red Dead Redemption 1 is 10 out of 10. I love it. I, I, could go on, I could ramble on about Red Dead Redemption forever. That trailer, though, while very, very pretty, I only watched it once. I'm not sure what to say. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if I have enough to really dig I want to take it. the word trailer and put in teaser. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Fair know, enough. It's, it's definitely a teaser. Yeah. I, I don't know if there was enough in that teaser for me mm-hmm. to, to talk about. Yeah, there's really not a lot to dig into. You just how beautiful You it can't looks. talk about it. Yeah. It's just, it was just, just setting up the world tech- pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I, technical feast. Right. Yeah. I, I think the other thing that kind of hurts the discussion is Rockstar knocked it out of the park with Red Dead Redemption. They knocked it out of the park with Grand Theft Auto V. The way I feel about Red Dead Redemption 2 is like, <laughs> yeah, this is going to be really good. <laughs> like, <laughs> I talked to, I was talking to Jones today, though, yeah. and he said that's like, like almost exactly how they did GTA V at first. Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, the game is a year out. Right. So, I think people were expecting like a crazy trailer that showed everything in that game. PSX. Might be quite a bit disappointed. I'm willing to stake my life. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. The fact that they really <laughs> my entire life on a PSX trailer uh, because one, it's what are we? We're on October now. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah, that's a good two months after a teaser. I think that's a nice gap to then show a trailer. They announced a specific partnership with PlayStation. Uh, it just says PSX written all over it. I think a huge. Story reveal trailer. I mean, that would be that would be the thing of PSX. Yeah. 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 It makes a lot of sense. I do have a question for you. Since you brought up Grand Theft Auto Five, mm-hmm. uh, Grand Theft Auto Five, the big thing mm-hmm. is switching the protagonist yeah. and how that affected sort of every single segment of that story in that game. Do you think Red Dead Redemption Two will have something like that, a concept like that that the entire game revolves around, or do you think you're you know you're primarily playing as one dude? Because we see the seven silhouettes. I could then, see character switching. Like, sure. I could see it. Mm-hmm. I think maybe this game's focus, like, new kind of thing will be more online so- focused. You know what I think, Ben? Wild Theory? Yeah. I think because there's seven protagonists, uh, I think it's going to go GTA Five style, where you only play as one for a bit. I think you're never going to have more contr- uh, control over more than, like, four or so. Okay. I think some characters are going to depart or die. Uh, and that'll be, you know, you're kind of playing as all of these characters at different times. Uh, just inserting this thought, it's something that Battlefield 1 does that I would like to see in more games. I really like sort of the anthology or like novella mm-hmm. style of storytelling where you have a bunch of different stories kind of focusing on the same themes but maybe take place at slightly different times. Like I would love a Red Dead where... You play as like a deputy for a little while, and then you switch, and then you're a burglar, and you're kind of focused, but you get to see different aspects, and it makes you play differently because of those I know. different characters. 
a message that I really, one, I really want to be the, the good guy in one of the like the like lawful right. good guy in a Rockstar right. game at least for a little bit. Sure. Like, let me do it. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm with you, man. Like a, a DLC or something like that. Or you're yeah, like a sheriff. That'd be you're awesome. You're like busting people. You're like investigating crime scenes. Right. Like, you know, police chase. You're <laughs> on the good side. Like, let's go. Even just because it did. Yeah. Always maintain discipline, yeah. son. Like, can you imagine just being a, a crazy prospector for a while? Just like going down and getting yeah. the gold. Looking like, for gold. Yeah. yeah. Like, nice. Probably not going to happen. But uh, yeah. We never know. Anything else we want to say about Red Dead? It's a beautiful piece. Uh, <laughs> ready to make the switch. I just say <laughs> yes. Yes. You're ready? Yes. You're excited? Yes. Ooh. Yes. That game, like, I'm more confident that that game is going to be a 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5 than like, I don't really even, like, think about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> it's a, you don't even have to think yeah. about it. You yep. know. It's a fact. Yep. It's already a fact. Like, the, the, review, the review for Red Dead Redemption 2 should just be, like, you know, bumper fade and easy allies, blah, blah, blah. Then it's just Brandon Jones turning around and slowly smiling. <laughs> Close. Yeah, that's it. 30 that's seconds. All you need to know. That's all you need to know. You don't even need to know what anyone thinks about it. It's no. going to be insane already. Yep. yep. <laughs> You yeah. lucky fuck. Our first question comes in from Ladarius. That's a hey Ladarius. That's a cool name. No. I like Ladarius. Ladarius, you making the switch? <laughs> I'm making the switch. You switching, bro? Uh, what is up, Ben and the other allies? I wanted to bring up the topic of video game cartoons. Recently, memories of watching the first seasons of the, of the Pokemon cartoon started flooding back to me. Times where I would sit down in front of the tube and watch Ash, Pikachu, and the gang get into adventures every week. It reminded me of other awesome and awesomely bad video game cartoons that have been made. Yeah. The Super Mario Superstar Show, Captain N, Street Fighter, Double Dragon, Captain and all N. of the Sonic cartoons, to name a few. I just wanted to know if any of you have any thoughts or fond memories of video game cartoons. Damiani, I'm going to start with you. Oh, yeah. I used to get up to watch the Super Mario Brothers Super Show um, when it was on weekends, but actually it was after school, Monday through Friday, when it first aired, if I remember correctly. I'd come home from school, would watch it, and on Fridays would be the Legend of Zelda episode. <laughs> so Fridays were like the extra special day. I was like, nice. oh, yeah, here comes the Legend of Zelda episode. Um... They moved it to Saturday or Sunday mornings um, at some point. I remember, yeah, I just remember the live action skits of seeing <laughs> live action Lou Albano as Mario, and I forget who played the actor for Luigi, but they had like celebrity guest on and stuff. I was like, what the hell? Like Magic Johnson? Were they like always like emphasizing the amount of spaghetti they liked and everything? Yeah, I can't was, remember they, that. They, they, they like Sergeant Slaughter showed up on Nice. Episode. <laughs> it was like what? The? It was just like a. a, a I was just so surreal seeing that. Um, the cartoons, like I, as a kid, I liked the cartoons. Um, pro tip: the 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 Zelda or fun fact more the the Zelda one actually infor- informed me at the time of like the character development and story of the original Zelda game because oh there was like no story in it yeah. so I was like oh so this is what the world of Hyrule really works like it's like <laughs> oh that's how Link would talk and stuff yeah princess um, but like I loved how they kept going like Captain M was the best the yeah Cap- Captain M the was Captain sick. and Zelda episodes were great because they were like not goofy and stuff like they were all serious mm-hmm. the to the potion of power and the uh, 
whatever the other one was, uh, was so good. They were more based on the Zelda 2 stuff. I, I love that evolution. Do you remember the ones with Simon Belmont? Oh, God. And he was like a <laughs> bumbling idiot. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to save it. And then they had a Game Boy. Yeah, like, like, what the right hell, here? man? And they had, like, they kept calling Pit Kid, like, it was Kid Icarus. Kid Icarus. Your mother brain. Ah, mother brain! Yeah. <laughs> so great. You got me! Yeah. It was, like, literally that voice. Have you ever seen this show, man? No. Oh, my God. And you know King what? Hippo and Eggplant Wizard were, yeah. like, the two idiots who, like, yeah, tried yeah. to, like, always capture Captain ben. N. It was, like, Princess Lana of, ben. like, Videoland. This kid, like, a high school kid, was in the video oh, game God, world. Yes. And his weapon was the NES Zapper. And, and the he controller. would any character. He could use the controller, the yeah. NES controller, the pause time, the turbo button. The turbo Dude, it was like he selling a... Nintendo products in the and like all of, If, if I can watch Mother Brain go, it's me, Mother Brain. <laughs> like, it was really, I don't know if she would fly today. Uh, they might have to readjust her a little bit. But the the concept was like video land so you had like all the different worlds like the Mega Man the te- they had a Tetris world I want I want to know if Kyle Bossman has seen the Tetris episode where they actually show what people living in the Tetris world are really like and the struggles and their in their daily like <laughs> quandaries Wait, it's like it's like a village in no Tetris? it's a city it's a city in like the Tetrominoes or whatever that's where Kyle's from they, like yeah it's probably Kyle's home world um. I mean, but like the egg, King Hippo and Eggplant Lizard really made me think of the the Sonic cartoon where they had uh, the first the, one the, or the second the one? First one, the first one, the the cheesy one, yeah, where yeah. Robotnik sidekicks. I forget their oh, names. Oh, the two robots, like yeah, the Rooster the, guy, yeah, and Rooster, the other, yeah, I, I forgot, forgot their names them. too. And it had like that, but the the Mario cartoon had like lice, like spoofs of licensed music that they had to remove oh in the God. home releases. They didn't use licensed music, but they had like spoofs of them. And they didn't get clearance for them. But, man, like, The Adventures of Super Mario Bros. 3, I love that intro. That's what I have. And they were like, no, I love everyone that knew, like, Bowser was back. His Koopa Kids yeah. attacked. Super Mario Bros. 3 was, like, my go-to. Uh, that was my favorite. And the Super Mario World. Super yeah. Mario, yeah. Super Mario, Super yeah. Mario So, yes, we have a few memories of them. I, I have to say, just because I've been watching it recently, as in yesterday, um... The Pokemon, like the beginning, the first season of that Pokemon show, yeah, is so good because it it, it still gets me emotional. Oh, like yeah. Pikachu like hates Ash. In no, the beginning. like when when Misty joins up with Ash and Pikachu and they they capture the Caterpie mm-hmm. and Misty is freaked out by the Caterpie and all the Caterpie wants is it's just love loved. and yeah. he just Misty. wants attention. Emotional. I'm like, oh my god, then I he, can't. Like, Butterfreeze. Yeah, yeah, it's such, a, it's such a glorious moment. But then yeah. he does become Butterfree, yeah. and and he gets he gets respect. Then Misty uh, cares. But then, but then the Butterfree goes away. He leaves Ash, and yeah. I'm just sitting there like he leaves rolling them. around in my he tears. He just going like this, flying away. <laughs> oh my god, no! But Ash is like crying, and he's yeah. like, Butterfree, I, I, I want you to go, but I'm gonna miss you. Oh, I rip out my heart, dude. Uh-huh. All right, okay. Our next. Email comes in from Seth. It just says hashtag Iowa in it. So what's up, right. Seth? You making the switch, Seth? Is it Seth Rollins? <laughs> Hello. Uh, I have a bit oh, of a controversial on. question involving Red Dead Redemption Two. A low oh. estimate Rockstar has has a low estimate has Rockstar making over three billion dollars from GTA Five. However, this seems to have not been enough to attain the resources to have a simultaneous PC release. Mm. The overall opinion seems to be that Rockstar learned from GTA V that they can sell the game multiple times. On top of that, they don't seem to possess the technology to make an anti-cheat to stop hackers, which have hurt the sales of their shark cards on PC. Bonus question. 
what will the shark cards be called in Red Dead Redemption 2? So I, I think this, the central <clears throat> question here is, for Red Dead Redemption 2, despite how astonishingly well GTA 5 did on PC, it's not getting a simultaneous PC release. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have said that is because people are just going to buy it twice. Why not space it out? Why not get that extra money? Do you think that's true? Why isn't there a simultaneous PC release? What's going on here? I think that's partially true. Probably. They're like, yeah, we'll worry about that later. I think they're focusing mostly on, you know, PS4 and Xbox. That's like, that's where their bread bread and butter butter is. Majority of the sales. And then they can work on the PC version later. later I don't know. Make it even, like, more graphically intense. Are you okay with that? I mean, I wish, obviously, it was day and date. I think it'd be great for everybody. Everyone would win at that point. Yeah. But I don't know. Got no problem with it. I mean, like Brad said, sure, it'd be... Great, I mean, it sucks if you only have PC. That sucks, big yeah. time. But I, I guess that's a long way. You can look forward to getting the best version. I I do I do sympathize with that perspective pretty hard. You know, to to yeah. see to see Grand Theft Auto Five be in the top top Steam charts since it Still. came out, and like to be that person that spent hundreds of hours on it and have it to be a really good version and mess around with all these mods, and then once again after that has happened, all yeah. this time has passed to the Reddit too, and it's like, oh, I guess I'm gonna have to wait. Yeah, cool. Like, sucks. that, that yeah. sucks. That sucks. Yeah. I'm pretty shocked. I'm surprised. I thought I was going to launch the PC. Me too. I'm I like thought they would have, yeah. It. I thought they would have for sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I, I, like, at the same time, I totally get the other way where it's like, yo, coming out on console, this is the best version of the game. You know what I mean? So every time it comes out, there's no comparisons of, yo, look how much better the PC version is than PS4 and Xbox One. When it comes out, it's more natural. Everyone's saying, yo, this is the best. It doesn't sacrifice that quality. When it comes out, it's the best in the biz. And then again, you're down the line. They can do it again and be like, yo, here it is again. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I wish I knew how Rockstar think- mm-hmm. thinks. Yeah. Our next question. Geniuses. Comes in from Blaine. Hey, Blaine. Making the switch, Blaine? Blaine or Let us know if you're making the right in. Let us know. Yeah. Uh, do you think... We will get to see the day when adult-only rated games are allowed on consoles and sold in stores. Do wasn't, you think video games need Wasn't Congress Bad Fur Day like that? That was M. It came out as M. Yeah. Oh, was it? I thought it yeah. was like... Oh, okay. Even uh, Hatred was M, right? Is that adults-only? I... Th- I, hatred has vanished from my mind. I think it might have been adults-only. Okay. Or it was going to be or something but like that. But it was that. on console. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, man, I don't know. That's like a... It's like isolating a lot of your market. Taboo. Well, the 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 story with this has always been, you know, a lot of prominent retail stores just will not sell yeah. A only games. And so yeah. why would you as a video game publisher cut out a huge chunk, chunk of, of your market? Man. It doesn't make any sense. And I feel like to make an adults only game it needs to be pretty ridiculous. Right. That's like, the other point. Think about M-rated games already. There, some of them are insane. Think about what happens in Mortal Kombat X. Yeah. You can't be more violent than that. Yeah. So, like, aside from, you know... This is gonna be porn games. Yeah. yeah aside right. gonna be porn from... Games and, and it's... Digital only. And, like, even God of War, like, has some sex you are even having sex but you like don't see it you don't see it but it's still like implied and everything like i don't yeah. i don't need to see it so yeah. like i feel like i'm not missing out on anything you know like if a game is like if a game not being adults only i'm not missing out on anything is what i'm trying to say yeah, i'm not sure who would yeah. want to actually go to a actual store to buy an adults only mm-hmm. game either 
Other than just for the sake of saying, haha, it's possible. I just feel like most people who want that type of game are probably just going to yeah. buy it digitally and be like, cool. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's going to take... Walking to a GameStop <laughs> being like, oh uh, yeah, I'm here to pick up my AO copy of Galgun. Thanks. It's going to take... Galgun 3. It's going to take a super... Because, like, movies, right? NC-17, like... Oh, jeez. Yeah. There are some NC-17 movies, like uh, Blue Valentine... Showgirls. That, that Showgirls <laughs> that just emphasize sex, but they're still, like... Like, Blue Valentine is a good example, because it's a super good movie, and yeah. it's... When that came out as NC-17 initially, they were like, what the hell? Like, we weren't going for that, but because we had, like, some sexual stuff and some of that, uh, they got slapped with an NC-17... So then I like cut it, make it R, but then you can get still get the N17 version. It's gonna take some like super committed game developer out there to make an AO game that is like still artistic and has a reason to be AO and isn't just shock and awe. Oh, okay. For me to get on board with like yeah. okay, like AO, like like you know, right? Because like, like Blue Valentine again, I want to come back to it. It's like. Super good movie, and it and it's NC seventeen. You look at it like, oh, it's gonna be some like porno thing, but it's like not at all. You know, they have a very intimate and passionate relationship, and it serves the story. And I think for like an AO game, it would need to to do that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That that justification hasn't been there, nor have I gotten mm-hmm. the feeling that when I've been playing an M rated game, where it's like, oh man, they really pulled back here. They yeah, should have, like really go yeah. for an NC seventeen. Yeah, I feel like violence at this point. Your game can't be AO based on violence. Right. It is impossible. It is only yeah, it's sex. already been pushed to the max. To the max, which which I think is totally backwards, but. <laughs> Like, chainsawing yeah. someone in half and, like, Gears of War is pretty yeah. fucking nuts. Yeah. Right. GTA. That almost seems yeah. teen at this like point. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. If Grand Theft Auto is not AO, like, what will be? Come on. Like, going up to an old right. woman and just stabbing her repeatedly. Like, yeah, you can't really get more disturbing than that to me. Trevor, like, lighting people up, pouring them with gas and, like, torturing them. Yeah, when you, you first know? meet Trevor and he's stomping in that person's face for <laughs> yeah. ten minutes, you're <laughs> like, yeah, all right. Uh, he's like picking the brain off his shoe. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah like, that's <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it'll ever get there. So Sophie is is looking at me like, please stop, please stop yelling, please stop going insane. So that's gonna do it for us and for Frame Trap. I I feel like I spent a lot of energy this episode, yeah. which I think is uh, is a good sign. Hopefully, so I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to write in, you want to ask your, your question, and keep in mind, uh, just reiterate, it doesn't always have to be about video games as much as I enjoy those questions. You can ask about music or food or Iowa or whatever you want. I don't care. Um, they can be fun to take some divergent emails sometimes. But yeah, askeasyallies at gmail.com is the email address. If you want to find more of us, go to easyallies.com. There you'll find links to our Patreon, our Twitch, and our YouTube. We're doing stuff on there all the time, and it's only getting busier week after week. So... Thank you all again, and I will see you 